the summer of rock. 101 KMFO Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Good morning to you. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this is the month of July in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. So, by his own account, Dave Chappelle apparently told four people that he was going to be here yesterday. Uh, I was not was one of those on Hawthorne yesterday. four people. Well, and I get, I get, and I don't know whether there was four people. I don't think he posted anything about it. I think it was just sort no, of four, nothing was posted. Like it was, it was four people at a gym. Yeah, like he told for like I think I'm going to be in the Portland, and uh, I don't tell anybody though. Just uh, you know, just keep it under your hat. And it was the hat did not contain the news. Ugh. So well, the bad news is that I was. The good news is I got uh, at least some rest. The bad news is because I was uh, one of the many, many people who went there and said, well, there's no Dave Chappelle here. I have I will not be made the object of a hoax. I'm going home. So uh, I guess it was like 115, 120, something like that. 1253. He, it was 1253. Yes, so the entire time. When he kind of fought his way through the uh, through the crowd. Was that before or after uh, the people who were gyrating naked on top of a Starbucks were arrested? Oh, the, the poor people are working at that Starbucks. They were throwing their furniture around. They threatened to smash through it. They should get battle pay for putting up with the gutter punks that just turn up there and hassle them oh, every sorry, day. So the people who work at that Starbucks ought to be armed. They ought to be armed, they ought to be deputized, and they ought to be allowed to shoot anybody that they feel has it coming. And that's not just when Dave Chappelle uh, brings thousands of people there. Anytime. That's any time, day or night. You work downtown, you really be able to give a taser and a cattle prod and the right to use it whenever you want, period. Well... Uh, so we'll we'll kind of delve into that whole thing here in just a uh, just a short while. Coming up later on today. So now C- CBS. So hard to keep track of things here. CBS is now reporting. The TMZ is now reporting that the cops are going to say the Jackson thing is a homicide. That's correct. It is a homicide. What? Uh, I'll quit talking now because I'm inadvertently stepping all over. As in murder. I wish. I, oh, I don't have the. Uh, wait, hold on. The. Oh, my, my computer is uh, my computer's not potted up. There. I was trying to do the murder sound. I got nothing. He All right. was murdered? I didn't say that. You said that. Wow. That's Sarah Dillon who said that. Rick Emerson didn't make that assertion. Actually, it was, T- it was TMZ who's, who then... Uh, Who's going to say they're wrong at this point? ...reported upon by CBS, and that was me, uh, Rick Emerson, quoting CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. It is uh, 503-228-4101 if you... Uh, I want to join us today. So, obviously, as the morning goes on, we're going to be looking for people who were at the Chappelle thing last night. Don't be a jackass and call up and claim you were there and you were like three feet away and you touched the hem of his garment if you were, in fact, at home the entire time. I'm so bummed out. I'm looking at pictures on Facebook of all my friends all drunk and having fun. Yeah, but I mean, there was sort of, here's the thing. Even if you were there, there was no way uh, you'd be like, you would be like the majority of the people who tried to get to Woodstock, who were just 15 miles away on the other side of a hill, and you could just sort of vaguely hear the, you know, the sort of the sound of Crosby, Stills, and Nash kind of floating, uh, you know, down, you know, through the ether, but you weren't actually able to see anything. Because that's, 
That is, I think, the majority of people who were there last night because it, because no one thought. I think Seamus pointed this out. The hundreds of thousands of people who eventually knew about this. Somebody nobody thought to turn on the power anywhere or to you know have power. So there's poor Dave Chappelle, who's one of the certainly one of the most famous entertainers of you know of this of the past decade. One of the most famous comics of his generation, and he's there on one of those sad like. If I could just get everybody to... Hello? I'm Dave Chappelle. I'm here to do some... I have jokes? And then, then nobody can hear anything. Uh, in any event. It's 503-228-4101. I'm going to... Uh, I'll be posting a Twitter request for that as well here in just a moment. So if you uh, if, if you were there last night, if you sort of... Or, you know, you were kind of in the crowd, whether or not you were able to close enough to, to see anything, which you probably were not, uh, just the, the sheer numbers of it. Um, we'll be uh, talking to folks throughout the morning on that. Cena uh, radio correspondent Jim Roop will be joining us later on from Los Angeles this morning. Uh, we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins from Cena uh, Radio Capitol Hill. Uh, apparently, I guess now the issue is not so much uh, what's her name Sotomayor and the fact that she she said this thing about the Latina woman or the white man or the white. Apparently, she's just apparently she's just got a terrible uh, uh, temper. Apparently, she's uh, she's quick to anger, which yeah, I like. She does look like a very pleasant person. It looks like she. It looks like if you crossed her, you would probably end up being whacked into hamburger. You and your entire family. And in all fairness. If she was a guy doing her job, he would probably be just as cruel and mean. Oh, no, that's, uh, yeah, I draw no gender distinctions there. Most people are evil and awful, Tim. So women can be cruel just as men can be in the same job. That's right, Tim. Not well, that she isn't. No, Not that she can't be. It's part of the new equality. It's that women can be horrible, just which has usually been the province of, uh, of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been something that we've had a monopoly on, but now women are uh, free to be completely repellent in every way. And not that she isn't smart, because Dopey would be Sarah Palin. She, she is not Sarah Palin. No. Few people are. Not even Sarah Palin is really Sarah Palin at this point. It's funny how she's just completely vanished. Now that the, you know, I mean, I thought that she was going to resign and that it would immediately be followed by her popping up somewhere else. She has written an op-ed piece in the Washington Post like she actually wrote written. this. Written. Is that written in quotations? Yeah. Written. Yes. An op-ed piece in the Washington Post. Like she actually did this. Uh-huh. Um... You know, the Washington Post is a, uh, that's a liberal outlet, liberal Tim. That outlet. is a, it's a, that is an organ of the liberal body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing you well. Did you see Dave Chappelle last night? I did not, but I have friends who work on Hawthorne, and um, my friend who works at Angelo's wrote me, and he's just like, hey, uh, Dave Chappelle's eating at Tai Tai right now. <laughs> but see, now, <laughs> when did, so surreal. when did you get that? At like 4.30. So he do, was eating food. So yes. do we know when... When he arrived in town, do we know what the earliest Dave Chappelle spotting yesterday was? I heard it was early morning. Yesterday, mean, that's when rumors that had started. All right. Is there any sort of, do we know, well, I guess we can get into all this later. Why, why here? Why now? Why Portland? I mean, was it, did he just sort of pick this place randomly? Was there any sort of underpinning for him coming here? I have no idea. Well, all right. Uh, it is uh, 503-228-4101. Also, Blink-182 tickets. Uh, Blink-182 tickets I'll be giving away. Uh, and we have uh, a uh, pair of tickets to the Timbers uh, versus Burnley, English Premier League. We're uh, doing that later on this morning as well. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, let's pay our first visit with Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Okay, so I have all kinds of things to talk about. First, good morning, everyone. It is 508. It's going to be sunny today, and it's going to be 88 degrees. So the internet rumors turn out to be true as Dave Chappelle shows up at Pioneer Courthouse Square, gets on stage, if there was some stage there, at 12.53 this morning, and uses an amplifier the size of a toaster to put on a show for thousands (laughs) who congregated. He said he'd be back in a few minutes with a better sound system. By 2 o'clock, it was clear a better sound system would not arrive. 
At one point, he grabbed an OPB reporter's microphone and shouted, Support Oregon Public Broadcasting! Then Chappelle left the square at 2.09, walked to the Heathman Hotel, where he chatted with fans on the sidewalk. It's unclear why he's in town. His website makes no mention of his Portland appearance, or the fact that he was here at all. But he was at a Hawthorne bar earlier in the day. I was looking at some of these uh, comments online here. One person said, I work at Starbucks in the square, and I was closing tonight. People decided to move our patio furniture all over the square. When asked to return it so we could close the patio, I was threatened. Several people told me they were going to throw the items through the windows. Uh, Adding the fact that most people decided to climb up the side of the building, walk on top of the store. And uh, oh, they have glass windows and a glass ceiling. Yeah, no, that, that oh. Starbucks is one That's big... That's really unnerving to work there and have people uh, walking on your roof. It's just a huge glass cube, that place. They banged on the doors, the glass walls, demanding to be let in for drinks and to use the bathroom. So, jeez, uh, these people at... at Starbucks. You know, that's what happens when we start living in a communist society, Tim, where things are handed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, my question is, first of all, would it have killed Sam Adams to get out of bed and come down and fix things? I mean, you want to talk about a way to get the city back on your side? Get Dave Chappelle some power. Mm. I, can, I find it difficult to believe that he wasn't privy to what's... Was I he mean, in town? I thought he was out of town. Sam Adams? Yeah. Well, that man, he's still the mayor. Yeah. I mean, is it, oh, that's right, he is. <laughs> I mean, it is... I mean, it's only 5, 10 in the morning, but it, presumably... I mean, I'm not... He probably didn't know about it in advance, although you got to think... You, you must imagine that if... Four people know, I mean, this is sort of the exponential, four people, then it's 16 people, and then like 100,000 people know by yesterday afternoon. You think at some point somebody who's downtown might have figured out enough to maybe at least run it by the guys who, you know, who, who operate this city. And it strikes me as strange that, I mean, do we know of anybody from the city, you know, from the, from the who's down there? there? There was at least one cop there, at least one, and uh, they didn't uh, send out a whole bunch of cops. It's they just, just let people do as they please. So there was no riot or anything. No, no, no. I'm just, good. And I'm just, and my thing isn't even really that. It's just strange that nobody from the city decided to go down there and, and sort of capitalize on this by making sure that, you know, he could actually speak and be heard by people. Mm-hmm. And that's the enduring image, unfortunately. Well, the, 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 the thing is, though, it, it is illegal to congregate there at that time of the night. Is that true? Yes, it is. Is there a until curfew? Five, uh, until, I believe so, until 5 o'clock in the morning. When You're not the, supposed to be there. When does the curfew kick in? I don't know. I'll have to check that. But I know there's a curfew there, and it's in effect till 5 a.m., Mm. All right. Well, more on this to come, obviously. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 520-51. Or you can email uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. So we're talking about uh, the late night appearance of Dave Chappelle, such as it was, and uh, all manner of things. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Wednesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson Show continues next. Ladies and gentlemen, you and your groin, you you keep listening. On Rock 101, KUFO. Live from downtown Portland, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. And I'd like somebody to tell me why I kept having dreams about... Brett Michaels all night, and not doing anything uh, tremendously interesting. I had dreams where I just kept going. Here's here's what my just like hanging out or something. Yes, yes, hanging out with Brett Michaels. It wasn't so much I was hanging out; it was like he was my own private minstrel. Uh, sort of everywhere I would go, 
It was like he was the he was like he was the troubadour accompanying my dream sequences last night. Like at some point I was dreaming that I was inside a Seven Eleven or something, and then later on I had a dream that I was just uh, you know that I was sitting in a giant uh, that I was sitting in a giant hot air balloon that was floating through like a Macy's department store. But no matter what I was doing, there's like there was Brett Michaels just sitting off to the left, singing nothing in particular, just singing a sort of indistinct series of warbling vowel sounds, kind of a just like just off to the left. Uh, no matter what else was going on in my dream. Which makes me wonder if, like, my clock radio or something, because I go to, you know, when I go to bed, uh, Lara's not home. She's still at work. And so if, if something like if the, if the stereo or the TV or something were to be left on, or if I were to leave the TiVo paused and it's on live TV, after half an hour or something, it runs out of buffer and it just, it, you know, it kicks on and suddenly it'll start playing again. So I wonder if there was some sort of, if I left it on VH1 or some such. I mean, it's like a weird you thing. You sleep with your TV on? No, but I mean, but if, but if it was paused or something and I'd forgotten about it, um, even if you turn the screen off, uh, you know, because it's wired into the to the stereo, I don't do that very often. I'm pre- I'm pretty anal about turning everything off in the house. But if something clicked on and then it sort of floats into your dream, if there's some sort of external sound or something that's happening in the house, and your brain, which is kind of freaky when you think about it, your brain will find a way to take external stimuli that are happening while you're asleep and just find a way. Well, I guess these, I guess this is a dream ingredient. Let me just jam this in. So, all right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, go to the news desk with your personal savior, the one and only Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. So thousands of people showed up as the Internet rumors to and Dave Chappelle shows up at Pioneer Courthouse Square at 12.53 this morning. He put on a short program and then left and he went to the Heathman Hotel. Nobody knows why he's here, but he's been hanging around Hawthorne past couple of days. And by the way, so this you already know that the, uh, the logical eventuality of this, which is that now every jackass with an internet connection is going to start spreading the rumor that Joe Pesci's going to be here. Joe, he's he's going to be here at 2 o'clock. He's going to be hanging out on Belmont. Uh, and then Joe Pesci will not, in fact, be here. So let me urge you now not to do that. Don't be that guy. Why did you watch on Joe Pesci? That's weird. <laughs> or Timothy Hutton's going to be here. It's part of my... It's, it's, but that's a lie, Tim. That is a lie. He's well, not he might be anywhere. He might be here in Portland. He's not going to be here in the studio, no. apparently, um, because that's Pretty's part too of big. That's my trademark angular sense of humor, Sarah. It is the absurdest wit for which I am known. Oh, that's uh, that's the uh, that's the sort of entertainment value that CBS believes in. Here's uh, Tim Riley. A report out this week shows the use of force by police is down. The numbers reflect declining use of force tactics by the police departments downtown and TriMet divisions. That's why we have so much crime. They're going to start cracking some heads. Oh, see, I thought it was maybe that people... <laughs> I thought it maybe it was that people had just started to... They finally learned to listen. And when a cop tells you to move along, maybe you better just move along. Now, Portland cops most frequently taser and use uh, physical holes in arrests. Use of pepper spray, batons, and beanbag shotguns are down. That's kind of too bad. So the big story outside of uh, this internet rumor about Dave Chappelle that turned out to be true is... The LAPD is treating Michael Jackson's death as a homicide. That means murder. Multiple law enforcement sources tell TMZ, which is now the official news voice of the Michael Jackson thing, his death was a homicide, and they're focusing on Dr. Conrad Murray. Now, that's the guy who was uh, home with Jackson. He is the the cardiologist, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Law enforcement sources uh, tell TMZ the evidence points uh, to the anesthesia propofol as the primary cause of Jackson's death. As they first reported, they trumpet, vials of this were found at Jackson's home after he died. 
Law enforcement sources say there are plenty there are plenty of powerful evidence linking Dr. Murray as the person who administered the drugs to Jackson. This is TMZ speaking now. The evidence includes various items found in Jackson's house. Dr. Murray's lawyer would neither confirm nor deny that his client administered this drug. So... So and and this is the this is the guy who had the practice somewhere that he then abandoned to go be uh, Jackson's to private doctor. Jackson. The weird thing is, and I kind of latched onto this early, isn't it? I mean, it's odd to me that Jackson would have as his private physician a cardiologist. I mean, not that, not that there's anything weird about being a cardiologist, but when you think of the fact that he died of cardiac arrest, and then of all the different specialists there could be, you could have a cardiologist, you could have an oncologist, you could have a podiatrist, you could have you know. I mean, you could have an eye, ear, nose, and throat doctor, but that he had a cardiologist and that that's the part of his body that eventually just, uh, you know, that gave out for whatever reason is a little weird. I mean, and I'm, and, and I am not, of course, alleging anything. Uh, this is, these are just my observations as a, as a professional bloviator, but it seems odd that that would be the case since that is apparently one of, one of the known risks of that propofol, which I guess is also the same thing as Diprovan. I guess it's two of the, you know, it's the, one is the, trade name and one is the sort of chemical name or whatever, but that he would hire a guy whose specialty is preserving the part of the body that is most likely to be affected by the thing that guy is allegedly giving you, um, which sounds as though there's, it doesn't seem like this is a one-off, in other words, like maybe the guy just came home with a bag one night and said, Michael, do you want to try this thing I found? And Michael said, sure. It seems like this might have been part of the plan all along. That's simply my observation here as, a, as an editorialist. Oh, maybe it was kind of like a party thing and it got out of hand. Exactly. Because you forgot the helium. Yes. That. Wait. What? Maybe wanted to inhale some helium like at a party. Oh, right. speak. Oh, I'm thinking of something else. I was. Uh, I was. You said helium, and here's the way my brain works. You said helium, but I heard nitrous oxide. That's. Uh, I have sort of a weird. It's like one of those things you can go that turns your turns your web page into like Snoop Dogg talk or whatever. You, like I, I just turn everything into. You just said uh, helium, and I uh, and I heard something much uh, more uh, much more illegal. All right, I'm sorry. No, it, it, my brain never goes to Snoop Dogg talk. That's probably why. No, no, it does not, Tim. It doesn't translate the same There's way. A, Tim Riley, the news desk. The mother of Michael Jackson's two oldest children, the one that's not the blanket, says, "Quote hell no," unquote. She doesn't want to raise his kids. The New York Post reports Debbie Rose, a strident remark appears to be from an email exchange with her self-described confidant, Rebecca White. I'm having trouble keeping up with all these people, who babbled to a gossip website yesterday. The email from Rowe, the late pop star's ex-wife, and the woman who apparently saw his buttocks on more than one occasion in her office, said she's just suing Grandma Catherine under pressure from her lawyer. Catherine Jackson was awarded temporary custody of all three of the pomp icons' children a few days after his death last month. Is it last month already? No. Well, that's that's not true. Well, wait, wait. What is it? July? What is today? Mm-hmm. July fifteenth? Oh, it must be because it was the last week of June. Wow. Three, four weeks ago. We've been talking like about this this long. Oh no, we're we've been whoring we've been whoring Michael Jackson's body since the moment it was since the moment it was declared dead, Tim. Well, so be it. The pimping began immediately. By the way, I figured out why Debbie Rowe looks so familiar to me. She looks like Gary Sinise if you were to put him in a dress. That's if you were to take uh, uh, what does the, the the Lieutenant Dan guy, if you were to take him and stick him in a blonde wig and maybe powder up his uh, his face a lot, that's who Debbie Rowe is. She's sort of or like if he had a really if he had a sister who was sort of unfortunately created in the sense that she looked just like him. She does a little bit look like Gary. That if you go to TMZ today, it is the second story as of now. If you, it is the the TMZ story from uh, one fifty a.m. this morning. 
the photo of Debbie Rowe that accompanies the story, she looks for all the world like she ought to be yelling at Tom Hanks uh, to run through a minefield somewhere in Southeast like Asia. an unpleasant person. She looks like it, and she has no lips, by the way. Lieutenant Dan ain't got no legs. Debbie Rowe ain't got no lips. Uh, it's just it's just sort of like a... It's just sort of like a, it's just sort of a slit in her mouth where the food goes. It's just sort of like a she's got like a breathing slit. That's all it is. You know, where she it's something where she shoves in gelatinous cubes of energy. I mean, that's just my estimation of the situation. I could maybe she's really beautiful in person. Maybe she just photographs poorly. Here's Tim Riley. It's all in the light, you know. Oh, incidentally, the uh, the drawbridge is in the up position. I five in both directions is uh, struggling. Is that because of Dave Chappelle too? Is there a rumor that he's uh, turned himself into a tugboat and he's going to be uh, going down the river? Well, he's uh, he's uh, making the drawbridges go up. The interstate bridge is in the up position right now. That means traffic on I five is coming to a screeching halt. Did we ever figure out if there's a uh, curfew at Pioneer Courthouse Square? No, and I was looking. the the uh, The park rules are, are kind of strange. Apparently. They most of them close at nine o'clock, but it doesn't mention Pioneer Courthouse Square Pacific specifically. So I wonder if I don't know why it seems like when I say wrong, it doesn't like I'm offended by it, but it seems incorrect that there would be a curfew downtown. But I can't put my finger on why I feel that way. I guess it's because it's because I guess it's because a park you can you know there's lines of demarcation like you know where the park starts. Like this is this is a street out front. Here's grass. That's where the park begins. All of this grassy area is the park. Like you know where the park is and where it's not. Pioneer Courthouse Square, I guess you could say is that way, because I, I suppose it would be anything once you sort of cross the sidewalk. Correct. But it seems weird, because it seems like if you're going to have a Pioneer, a Pioneer Courthouse Square curfew, then by definition, that almost is like a downtown curfew. But, but then you have to ask the question, well, there are private businesses down there, and so would the curfew affect those guys as well. What if you are going from one private business to another? Can you walk through Pioneer Courthouse Square? But they Square? would be closed after a certain time, wouldn't they? Well, I guess. I mean, there's bars and stuff, though. I mean, there's, you know, there are late-night drinking emporiums of all varieties downtown. So it just seems impractical. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. It seems impractical that there would be a Pioneer Courthouse Square curfew, but I but I could be way off. These are all things we should wake up Sam Adams for. Where is it? He's not in town. Where is he at? Do we I know? heard he was out of town. I don't know where he is. People have kind of lost interest in him. He's figuring this is he's going to use those vacation hours. Well, he, he probably... Get all the dental work done while he can. <laughs> Hey, uh, what kind of Cobra plan does the uh, city offer? I don't want to have to, uh, I think I'm going to go get this bunion taken off right now, if it's all the same to you. Uh, oh, we should break. We're, we're way over time. Uh, so I'll tell you what, we're going to do this. We'll come back. More news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up next hour, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who's going to talk about uh, Boeing. So I guess Boeing is going to be adding thousands of, oh, no, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Sorry, cutting thousands of jobs. I'm should have known better. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will join us from Los Angeles as well. You stay there. We're live from downtown Portland. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. This is the Rick Emerson Show. So it's a combination of improv and house cleaning. On Rock 101. KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051. Coming up next hour, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. 
Jim Roop joining us from Los Angeles later on, and Lisa Desjardins uh, from Capitol Hill. Wow, it's the hottest search on Google right now. Dave uh, Chappelle, Pioneer Square. I saw that. That is the number one Google trend. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah and I were just talking about this during the break, though, that I I hate to be such a negative Nelly right out of the game, but boy, did, did Portland bungle this in, in many, many ways last night. And I hate to keep pointing the finger at, at Sam Adams, but I find it difficult to believe that nobody... I think he moved to Thailand. <laughs> Why would he do that, Tim? Well, they're fine vacation homes there and easy living. I find it difficult to believe that nobody sent him a text, though, saying, OMG, Dave Chappelle, Pioneer Quarter Square. He probably knows not to answer texts anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. So it is uh, the hottest search on Google this morning. Dave Chappelle in Portland, Pioneer Courthouse Square. He suddenly disappeared and kicked off a show while his fans were were waiting for him. Uh, Let's see. Then he moved to uh, the Heathman Hotel before 1 o'clock. And then let's see here. The Heathman, the place where the guys are uh, dressed like like they should be at a Ren Fair somewhere? Uh Uh-huh. Where they've got the weird... They've got those weird crepe paper things they wear around their uh, their neck. He was taking pictures of fans outside the Heathman. There are pictures of that on the Google this morning. There's a I've seen a, there's a bunch of photographs of it's that thing where it's photographs of of him taking photographs of people taking photographs. It's, I think it's he's got an iPhone or something. I think he's standing there in the sort of in the doorway of the Heathman and he's taking photographs of the crowd outside who are in turn looking at him. But that's the, that is the place that's on, is it on Broadway. Is it those guys who look like nutcrackers yeah. Yeah. out front? Boy, don't you always just feel? I, I mean, I look, I'm, look, it's a living, as the uh, squawky bird always says on the Flintstones. But don't you feel sad for those guys? Mm-hmm. You see those guys. If t- they weren't so rude to me, I would feel sad for them. Are they rude? Have they been rude to you, Sarah? I've walked by those people that kind of look like look at you like you're dirty. Well, <laughs> did you wash your hair this morning? No. Last night? <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> I went the- swimming yesterday, though. Uh, it's I, like a nature's I wasn't bath. asking you to justify it. It's like nature's bath. That's what my biology teacher used to say about not bathing at all. Uh, here's uh, Tim Riley. So this is from Entertainment Weekly. They just posted this. It appears Dave Chappelle actually did show up at Portland's Pioneer Courthouse Square early this morning for a free performance. Thousands of fans gathered at the square after rumors of a midnight performance spread by a text message, Facebook, and the Twitter. It arrived at 12.53... And uh, he repeatedly praised the peaceful crowd for coming out, cranked a few jokes about the chaotic scene around him. And uh, let's see, people congregated on rooftops at the square. There's a video online of poor quality. So we're waiting for some better video. Somebody must have uh, taken some decent video of this. I, I've only seen um, I've only seen a little bit of video. And it was mostly a lot of people video. with their phones out. That's, yeah, it was like mostly handheld stuff. Uh-huh. And I know, that, uh, I know that KGW had some. So our friend uh, Seamus weighs in. He says, Rick... If I knew about it 1,500 miles away and watched it live on the KGW Pioneer webcam, how the hell could someone from the city services and facilities, maybe even fairly high up, not know about it and do something? Especially, and this is the, this is the point that I made earlier, especially because, you know, there were a 1,000 people there like three hours beforehand. It's mm-hmm. not like it was a flash mob that just showed up 10 seconds before the guy walked out People there. were seen as early as 10.45 driving around the square. Oh, yeah. No, of cars. Uh, that's why, I mean... Well, I started getting my earliest text messages at like 7.30, that, uh, people telling me. Seamus sent me a, an email about this. And again, I should note, Seamus, he's in Colorado, by the way, which is what makes it all the more inexcusable uh, that Portland didn't really know about this. So I got... Uh, Seamus sent me an email at 8.56 last night, and it says, this is what it says, 8.56 p.m. Chappelle's uh, surprise show in Portland tonight. 
He says, everybody on Facebook is claiming there's a rumor Dave Chappelle is doing a secret performance behind your courthouse square tonight at midnight. Someone says a stage is being put up right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, I thought you should know. I imagine you'd love to see it. Uh, I'd send Sarah a text, but I figure uh, she must have already heard. If she's asleep, I don't, I don't want to be the jerk that wakes her up. Um, yeah, they got the first text message at 6.30 yesterday evening. And again, he says, wouldn't it be awesome if it was true? You should go. Who needs sleep before a 5 a.m. radio show? So I went there, and I, I don't know. I think it must have been I don't know, maybe... So, would you say that people were driving around at 1045? Uh-huh. Because that's just... I was there, and it was already becoming impossible to get anywhere near it. And it became clear that you were going to have to just sort of, you know, just leave your car and to kind of walk there and then walk all the way back out. It was like you were going to Devil's Tower and Close Encounters. And that, coupled with the fact that, you know, just, as Sarah said, that it's doing, getting up at 3 a.m. makes you just lame in every conceivable way. So, I'm like, well... It's- it sucks. I'm looking at pictures on my friend's Facebook, and, like, <laughs> they're all there, like, with drinks in their hand, like... We're having a great time. All going to bed at like 3.30 as I'm getting up. And so then last (laughs) night I'm telling myself these lies like, uh, well, it's probably not going to happen. Rick, you should go back home and go to sleep. What are the odds that you'll really miss? Um, And so, but but the thing is, like, I... It was the right thing to do because it's just, you know, it's like Indiana Jones says in Last Crusade, where he says he never would have made it past the rats. I wouldn't have made it past, uh, you know, another hour anyway. I mean, but yeah. by the time, whatever, one fifteen, because he was there. Adrenaline can only take you so far. <laughs> well, and also just standing there before you realize you're just being horked. That's the thing. You're just standing there kind of going, well, I've been manipulated by some jackass on Facebook, which is what it looked like for all the world because. Yeah, I would have been grumpy. I don't think I would have stayed for a full hour waiting. No, I, it sort of amazes me that everybody else stayed. I mean, that's. The thing I, I mean, which is I'm glad that they did. It's kind of cool, but it does surprise me that enough people stuck around for there to be a sizable crowd when he finally got there. My only, the only thing I can imagine is a, uh, uh, the people who are just you know they're either they're either late night folks or they're you know they're staying up or they're you know that maybe they don't have to get up for work or something. And so most there. people couldn't even hear him anyway. Well, that's yeah. There's that. So it's either a lot of people who are either diehard Chappelle fans. People who, for whatever reason, don't have to get up the next morning or just figure they'll play through it. You know, they'll just suffer through the the fatigue the next day. Or that people were kind of doing the thing I did of being like, well, I, I can't stick around for this. i got to take off. But that they were being replaced by new people who were showing up because it was kind of spreading so exponentially on Facebook. So that's it. Yeah. And, and then he got there and he did have the tiny little like... It was like one of those uh, walkie-talkies you buy to the back of a comic book when you're 10 that has like the Morse code button on it that never works. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. Yet life goes on here in the Portland metro area. Somebody's stolen an eight-foot rocket from a Vancouver farm, and the owner's offering a reward for information that leads to its return. Lance McNamara and his family-owned Gopher Boy Egg Farm over on Northeast Ward Road in the Couve. The Whis- rocket's been the whiskey, fish on the truck. farm for nearly four years or so. The rocket's made from materials including a boiler tank and compressor motors. McNamara said the rocket was a landmark in the area, and neighbors call his place the old rocket house. Well, on Monday night, McNamara used a unique diagram to explain how the rocket was stolen. At 11 o'clock last night, two bad guys in the truck pulled up, put the rocket in the back of the truck. The nose fell off and made a ping, ping, ping noise. That alerted my wife, looked out the window and saw the thieves driving away with the rocket. Nobody's happy. Wait, so this is... What is it? Wet Goat Oscar Farm? What is the name of this place? Gopher Boy Farm. Gopher Boy Egg Farm over in Northeast Ward Road in the Coo. Bite the wax tadpole. So there's that and then Gopher he... Boy Egg Farm is... <laughs> it's a rocket. It's an uncomfortable phrase. And he drew a diagram showing how they put a rocket in the back of a truck and drove away. That's right. Does that really necessitate a diagram?
Well, I guess so, because the news crews showed up. and just a show to... Silent Bob rappelling through the middle of a wall, uh, through the middle of a mall past LaForce, the security guard. Yes. All right. Let's uh, do uh, one more here, and then we will uh, return at the top with uh, the more sort of recap of the Chappelle thing last night. Next hour, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Later on this morning, Blink-182 tickets. This is Tim Riley. Well, the new state budget of Massachusetts eliminates health care coverage to some 30,000 legal immigrants to help close a growing deficit. This is reversing progress toward the universal coverage, just as Congress looks to Massachusetts as a model for overhauling the nation's health care system. The affected immigrants, permanent members who had their green cards for less than five years and now covered under Commonwealth Care, a subsidized employment program for low-income residents, that is central to the groundbreaking health care plan they enacted back there, thanks to Mitt Romney in 2006. Well, I'm, I'm unclear about this. So Massachusetts had this had this business where they were just going to order you to, to buy insurance. And they did. Otherwise, you'd be fine. That was the, that was their sort of brilliant solution to the health care problem. You're, it is now against the law to have insurance. Pay for it now. So, but what was the deal that they that they sort of gave some to immigrants, to, right. to legal immigrants? Right. It, and the problem is they, they ran out of money. And so they were the first people to be kicked off this thing. So now not everybody's covered. Welcome, welcome to America. What better introduction uh, to the country, really? Hey, remember that, uh, that uh, you know, providing for the common defense, the Declaration of Independence talks about? No, gone. Okay, well, so on that Now note. they have the freedom of not having insurance. Yes. Okay. I was going to do a little Yakov Smirnoff thing there, but I, I got the... I got the in, in my country, teeth remove you. See how it doesn't work, though. Uh, straight ahead, more from Tim Riley. We're live from downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Price. KUFO Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, Blink-182 is coming to town. They're going to be at Memorial Coliseum on September 9th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Tickets go on sale to- Wait, is today Friday? Today is Friday. Yes, right. it is. I've been going through the whole day thinking today was Thursday. Tickets go on today? sale tomorrow, uh, Saturday, the 18th, at Comcastix, as a two T's, Comcastix.com, or the Rose Quarter box office. Uh, that is tomorrow. However, uh, if you can answer the following Blink-182 trivia question, and you can be caller 10 when doing so, you will score yourself a pair of tickets to their show at Memorial Coliseum, September 9th. What is the name of Blink-182's demo tape released in May of 1993? Blink-182's demo tape, released in 1993, was entitled What? If you could be caller 10, and you can answer that question correctly, it's 503-228-4101. You will win yourself a pair of tickets to see Blink-182 at the Memorial Coliseum. And again, uh, those tickets go on sale tomorrow at Comcastix.com or the Rose Quarter box office. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, it's 804. It's going to be 94 degrees today. Back down to the 80s for the rest of the weekend. It's another possible gang-related shooting at Northeast 82nd in Division overnight. A cop heard shots ring out around 8 o'clock. Was flagged down shortly after that by a guy who said somebody was shot. They quickly found the getaway vehicle, a BMW, with the alleged gunman near the I-205 and took he and another accomplice into custody. 
A bomb scare at the Beaverton Home Depot was just that, a bomb scare. A customer found an 18-inch capped metal pipe under a compactor at the rear of the store and reported it. A robot opened up the pipe and decided it was fake. Uh, in just one uh, moment, we will resume uh, the news with Tim Riley. Let's take a second to talk to our good friend Dax Holt from uh, TMZ. Hello, sir. How are you on this Friday? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I am uh, I am fantastic. What is going on in the world of uh, scandal and controversy? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I talked to you. Did I talk to you about this Orlando Bloom getting his house broken into? No, I think I'd remember that. No. All right. Well, yeah, he got his house broken into here in L.A. He was in New York at the time, but someone crawled through the window, went in, and stole over $500,000 worth of jewelry. Good God Almighty. I know. He's not even a rapper or something that you think would have that much. I was just going to say, there's two levels of weird there. One, I just assume, look, I have to, the minute I become wealthy to any degree at all, I'm going to live in such a fortified compound. There's like the paper boy won't be able to get anywhere near my house. I mean, there's going to be landmines and German shepherds and razor wire just for miles. And also, you know, in other news, Orlando Bloom apparently has $300,000 worth of jewelry just sort of sitting around. I know. Isn't that crazy? And I guess there was a couple of really expensive watches. But I just didn't see him with that kind of jewelry. Whatever. Anyway, they feel like it, they're not saying it, but they're hinting to the fact that it could be an inside job. Ah, I see. That's the, that's the other thing is that uh, all of my people are going to go through an extensive background check, and there's going to be no uh, warnings. Uh, there's going to be uh, no sort of written uh, notice that goes in anybody's file. The first time I suspect anybody uh, who works for me is uh, doing anything sort of improper, it's going to be like in James Bond movies where I just hit a button and the floor opens up and they go right into a piranha tank. That's going to be it. <laughs> And, and in front of all the other help, by the way, is a lesson to the others. <laughs> all right, what else is uh, happening, I sir? I love it. Um, and then, you know, with this whole Madonna thing where her, her stage collapsed and the, the roof of it collapsed, it hit a crane, landed on a couple workers, killed one guy, and then there were six injured, two were in critical. Well, the, the second, another guy did pass away, and Madonna uh, was in, on her tour in Italy, and she was up on stage, totally broke down. We, we put up this YouTube video. She was talking to the audience, said it was just tragic, and just broke down crying while performing. It's uh, something that I read yesterday, and I think yesterday they said it was one death, and now it, yeah, it's just, uh, the second person uh, has died. Is it? And I'm unclear about what is it. Something sort of from above that fell, or is it the stage itself that kind of buckled? What would, what was the nature of the of the uh, the, the incident? It looks like the, like the ceiling part of the stage had collapsed a little bit, uh, and that's what knocked the crane over. Wow, uh, it was it was a bad yeah, it was a bad thing. I was reading the sort of the description of it, um, the description of it yesterday, and it, that, that's the sort of thing that is really surprising though, because there's such huge checks and balances that they put in, in place at most of those uh, at most of those events because it's such a big you know there's so much insurance on the line and and everything. So wow, all right. Yeah, and you know what? They're setting up these stages left and right. I mean, she's been on this tour for so long. You know, it's probably like second nature for them to put these stages up and down and you know you just have one bad accident we know that when she was at the dodger stadium a couple i want to say like a year ago the top had kind of fell down a little bit then as well so wow one one wrong bolt uh all right on that note my friend have a, a good weekend we will talk to you very soon thank you sir you do. All right, Dax Holt, ladies and gentlemen, you can watch him on TMZ television tonight, 11.30 on Fox 12. Uh, we'll do uh, one more here, and then around the corner we'll do the top five. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. All right, more Michael Jackson-related news. This gets weirder and weirder. Now we have the gay lover of Michael Jackson's dermatologist, who says Joe Jackson once kicked Michael in the groin, which made him sterile. 
The second time was after he had put out a solo album and it didn't do really well. They were arguing about the fact that Michael was losing his looks, uh, he was losing his voice, he's gonna shame the Jackson family and this and that. Apparently Michael started to cry when he was saying that and uh, he then proceeded to say something like you're a sissy and so if you're a sissy you don't need and kicked him and it was that particular one that he believed that he told Dr. Klein that he thinks that's where the damage was done because um, he said his testicle was uh. never the same again it was uh, enlarged and and uh, it was always painful and stuff there's nothing good that comes to the phrase his testicles were never the same again that's just varying degrees of bad is what that is Ugh. all right Oh, what? Then Debbie Rowe is forced to call 911 on the paparazzi again. Humble Sheriff Station, Deputy Ames, speaking of it. Hi, it's Debbie Rowe. Hell? Could you strike that again? Let's, let's begin that with the... What is it? A gibberish is that? I don't know. He's a rapping dispatcher. I don't know. Humble Sheriff Station, Deputy Ames, speaking of it. Hi, it's Debbie Rowe. Yes. I got um, some family over and some paparazzi who are up on my property on my fence. Sort of the Tanya Harding of the uh, of the Michael Jackson story, wouldn't you yeah. agree? She really is. All right, uh, we'll uh, we'll end this segment by. Oh, I'm sorry. That was I would that actually I played I played it in the reverse order. I uh, I had meant to play the longer version of that. All right, when we return, uh, we will play you the best soundbite you're going to hear all day. You just heard the sort of meat of it there, but we'll play the lead up and the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in a strip club. Next, you stay right there. We're live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Rick Emerson Show continues next. Ladies and gentlemen, you and your groin, you you keep listening. On Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for joining us. Coming up here in just a moment, do today's top five. The top five songs you are guaranteed to hear in every strip club. And uh, I should uh, play this here because I uh, I attempted to play this into the break and I hit the, uh, I hit the wrong button. We were playing that 911 call. Was that a 911 call? What was the audience yes, we were was. just playing that had the screaming? 911 call. Oh, it was Debbie Rowe, right. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, I was toying between two different 911 cuts. One is the guy who was suddenly surprised that his wife had a baby in the bathroom. Oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby. Right there. Uh, and, and then the second is not a 911 call, but it is, in fact, uh, alleged uh, radio entertainer Glenn Beck. Who you know most of the time is just sort of an interesting because he kind of fakes that he has mental uh, illnesses, and so this is not that. This is just him screaming at uh, at a woman on the phone. But then at the very end, something that I think he didn't plan happens, where his voice shifts up several octaves and he begins to sound like a small child, which is probably not the sort of. I think of, he sounds like a lady. It's well, that's the thing. It's like you can tell he's trying to go for like an ultra masculine sort of alpha uh, aggro kind of a thing. I am in control of the situation, which doesn't really work. So he starts off by ripping ripping off Don Geronimo. And then he ends by sounding like a woman. Every time you people bring up cost, you don't care about right. trillions of dollars to develop. So this is where he starts right the, here. The, the credit card company. Kathy, get off my phone! Get off my phone, you little pinhead! I don't care 
You people don't care about the trillions. <laughs> Why is he so angry? Is that what he's like in life? I don't know who he is. Well, it's because it's his, it's like it's his, it's his shtick. It's yeah. his, uh, that is his, it's his, uh, it's his gimmick. It's what he does. And when he's Who would not want to listen to that? Screaming like a girl. What? Who would want to listen to that? Uh, the answer uh, to that, as with many things, is my in-laws. Tim <laughs> Riley, what headlines are we following on this Friday? Harry Potter makes $58 million on its first day out. And Oregon is number one on homeless people living on the street. Hooray! Wait. No. Damn. All right. Yes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? So this was inspired by uh, our repeated discussions over the last few days of the fact that Sarah's new gentleman friend dated a stripper for an extended period of time. <laughs> uh, so what better time than now, what better show than ours to do these, the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in every strip club. Tim Riley? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I didn't see it here. I forgot. And as we continue our discussion of dancers, performers, and those exotic ladies of burlesque, it's worth discussing the intersection of sound and selection of singers in the scantily clad. These are the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in every strip club. Honorable mention goes to But Cherry and Crazy. That's right. So this is the. Uh... Better known by oh, its, totally. uh, its full name. of This is the Crazy Bitch song. I felt it was in improper to ask a newsman to say such a, yeah, a phrase. Trashy oh, girls God. love Buck Cherry. Uh, and so does Rick Emerson, by the way. I actually also love trashy girls who love Buck Cherry. Of course you do. Isn't this song where the chorus actually says, You're crazy, but I love the way you F me? Yeah. Whoa, really? Can't you see it? It's like you can see the pole. I can see it gy- gyrating. I see just like some horribly like '80s like clothing clad girl like like denim with, shorts and, and with stuff. boots. And at the uh-huh. gr- at the end, he actually says, "You're crazy, but I love the way you f me." And then like done. I remember listening to it and realizing this was simultaneously the best and worst song ever recorded. Yeah, you think? <laughs> These are the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in every strip club. Tim Riley. Number five, Orrit from Cherry Pie. Boy, see every statement I just made for the Buck Cherry thing. Oh, God. The thing is, you can't hate this song. It's like hating... Hating this uh, song is like hating one of God's special children. It doesn't matter that he just broke all your windows and peed on your rug. <laughs> or he your can't, bed. He can't, yeah, he can't help it. God made him that way. Uh, this, this song was... This song wears a helmet. There's just no getting around it, so you can't really actively dislike it. If I think about baseball, I'll swing all night. What, else, what is there to say about this? 
except that the video has Janie Lane and the rest of the guys in Warrant all holding a fire hose together and spraying a model named Bobby Brown with uh, it's water. It's very manly. All right. These are the top five songs heard in every strip club everywhere. Tim? Number four, Rob Zombie. Living Dead Girl. Who is this irresistible Way to hit the post. an insatiable love for the dead? Sarah. Rob Zombie is so hot. See, I was just going to say, this was your addition to the list. You suggested Rob Zombie. and No, I did that and then also number one. Or to the next one. So the, the deal with chicks and Rob Zombie, d- girls love him. He is beautiful. Now, is that when he's in Rob Zombie mode or when Any he's mode. in it? Really? Yeah, and I don't even, I don't. I'm not disputing it, I just don't. No, and I, I, I'm not usually attracted to like that dirty, like, you know, old man, crazy rocker guy. I mean, he kind of looks like one of the Devil's Rejects characters. He's, uh, yeah, he's so sexy. He's a smart guy, too. Have you ever seen him interviewed? Mm-mm. He's on that show Dinner for Five uh, with John Favreau, where he's there, you know, they're just having, you know, out of character, obviously. They're just having dinner. It's like him and Roger Corman and Bruce Campbell, I think, and John Favreau. And he's just the coolest, smartest guy. But it, this music is also really popular at strip clubs because it's got that electronic element to it. It's real rhythmic. You know, it's like I can close my eyes and I just see the girl spinning around the pole. Oh, yeah. With no effort at all. These are the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear at every strip club. Tim? Number three, Nine Inch Nails. Closer. I saw a girl, you want to talk about inappropriate, I saw a girl uh, stripping to Hurt one time by Nine Inch Nails. And that was just... And oh, that was you just, loved it. I, but see, I didn't, because that, that was the... that's. I don't think that was the... That wasn't the sexy kind of damaged. That was the... That was the... Uh, that was too far. It, it, it was. It was just. It was. That was too far over the line for me. That, by the way, was at the Dancing Bear in. Uh, I love the Dancing Bear. It was nineteen ninety two, maybe. I was here to see Metallica. Anyway, and it was down the street from my sister's house. I had the. My, let me just make the story one. See, I don't have a story to compare with yours earlier of your ex, whatever, uh, peeing in your bed. I'll say this. I left my sister's house where I was spending the night before seeing Metallica. I left my sister's house and I walked, walked down the street to the Dancing Bear. And I'm not much of a strip club guy. I walked because my sister was having uh, really loud sex with her boyfriend Ew. in the next room. That's what I'm saying. And I had, it was like five or six minutes into it. And I'm like, that's, that's it. I, I can't hear this anymore. That's the only story I have to compare with that's for any awkwardness. Wrong. It was so wrong. Really loud, presumably acrobatic sex. Wow. Yeah, so that's... I had to leave and go to a strip club, which in retrospect, is it makes me sound even weirder. Sarah does not like this. <laughs> All right. Uh, these are the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in every strip club. Tim Riley? Number two, Kid Rock with Cowboy. Totally. Chicks love Kid Rock, totally. too. Well, some chicks. Did you say that you found in the big uh, Kid Rock Tommy Lee face-off, you, saw, you found Tommy Lee hotter? Oh, God, I've met Kid Rock, and I've, I have eyeballs. Kid Rock's unattractive. <laughs> There's nothing about him if I try to like He looks like he's 12 years old. He does have he's a like bit a of little a... rat face and, like, stringy hair, and I've met him, and he was just the most stoned person I've ever met. Doesn't he seem like he might be uh, Timmy Ryan's older half-brother? Yeah, he's just... There's something really skeezy about him. He does look like and he might it's be... it's not even, like, the, the attractive skeezy. It's the... Like, covered in a thin sheen of grease, yeah. but a grease that comes from the soul. It's a... It's a grease of the a grease of the personality yeah See, this is somebody that probably would not do so well on dinner for five perhaps perhaps not right, these are the top five songs you are guaranteed to hear in every strip club tim riley number one motley crew girls 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 absolutely yes. 
and justifiably so, by the way. Don't forget, Molly Crew is going to be here at Crew Fest 2, happening July 28th. Part of KUFO's Summer of Rock. They're going to be performing Dr. Feelgood in its entirety next week. Next week, next week, we are going to have a, uh, a fantastic Motley Crew giveaway you want to be listening for. That is coming up next week. You can find out more about Crew Fest 2 happening July 28th at KUFO.com. From the album of the same name, it's the crew and girls, girls, girls. Good job. That's right. All hail me. We come back after this. Tim Riley will be at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up at 9, it is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. You stay there. We're back after this on Rock 101. One-stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. Welcome to my room. Do it now. This is the Rick Emerson Show. Not only is a killer, he was trolling for homosexuality online. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text anytime at 520-5151. Be listening to Court and Fatboy this afternoon. They'll be talking to Mike Russell, a film critic from the Oregonian, and uh, they'll have Pedal to the Metal uh, tickets. You can find out more about the Pedal to the Metal Tour, Crew Fest 2, and the entire Summer of Rock extravaganza at uh, KUFO.com. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Ryan. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It's supposed to be even hotter outside. To 94 degrees today, it's going to cool off during the weekend. It's going to be sunny, though. It's now a uh, it's a balmy 88 in here now. It's very comfortable. Yeah. It's uh, 842. Portland leaders are frustrated over a new number one ranking. We have the most homeless people wandering around downtown than any other place. Uh, and they don't know why. Leaders created a 10-year goal of stopping homelessness. How on earth do they expect to do that? And have already reached sixty percent of the plan. Who followed up to count this? And how? What? And what are the steps involved in said plan? I, I, I don't know. Are we just going to put it them sounds... all on a barge and kick it out of the middle of, of the Columbia? Say it and hope it'll happen. I know it's it's very foolish. Then Tramet's West Side Express service is really tanking. Uh, it's Cole West. That's the train that goes from uh, Beaverton to uh, Wilsonville. Wilsonville. West loses a quarter of a million dollars every month. Well done. The problem is all those people are supposed to go to work on it have no jobs to go to work. Job. I have no job. There is some good news, though. I watched uh, Leverage last night, and it's pretty good. So this is, but see, here's what I didn't know about this. You said that Leverage, which is the show filming here, Timothy Hutton, who won't come into the studio, uh, and the show that had he them blow up the car. He looks a little beat. And that's on he television. Not, not to say anything about his acting ability, but he's aged like 50 years in the last five. He does look a little, like, puffy. Yeah, and that's the thing, puffy and wrinkly. That's with the magic of television, too. Dude, I think that the one dude on that is really hot, though. See, I feel he like a bad Portlander here. for not having uh, not having watched it. You said though that it doesn't take place in Portland. The Boston, Boston, Portland for Boston, right? And they don't do any far shots. They do a lot of close shots, so you can't see the skyline. And probably because they don't have to rope off certain streets or certain areas. Ah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so, I, I noticed though, one uh, Portland actor I know of, uh, Robert Blanche, is playing a cop, and he's very good. Excellent, good for him. Well done. So, do you think it's worth watching? Yeah. Do I need to see the first season? Do you think to to, to, to watch the I second season? I didn't see season? the first season. Okay, so you feel it's a pretty like they're, they're, they're pretty much standalone episodes, I would imagine. 
And I have it, a copy of the first episode if you want it. Okay, because it's like a uh, because it's like a uh, like an Ocean's Eleven meets eighteen. Mm-hmm. It's kind entertaining. Of thing. It's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it's entertaining. Yeah, like right. I didn't find myself looking at my watch or anything. No, it, it, it's good for Portland. All right, excellent. All right, at long last, leverage. <laughs> uh, time that something is good for. Boy, did you see the big the big news the other day was we're supposed to be ecstatic and doing cartwheels because the employment uh, unemployment rate, which is twelve point two, has quote leveled off. It's not going up anymore. It, we are stationary, and that just means two months in a row, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, at 12.2% unemployment. Uh, Starbucks is dropping its name at one Seattle location because it's adding alcohol. They're changing a name, and it's going to be called 15th Avenue Coffee and Tea. But they're not mentioning booze, which they're serving there. So they hope to do this in uh, more places. I wonder if they figured out that just the paying $4 for a cup of coffee comes and goes with the economy. The booze is eternal, though. And really, just and in terms of, I would like to know how bars are doing right now, uh, and a lot of other, you know, a lot of those things that you think are recession proof. I, I think it probably depends, uh, you know, on the establishment and the, you know, their legacy and so forth. But you know, Starbucks is, you know, they're they're good at what they do. They are they're good marketers. I'll give them that. So uh, after they uh, played this 1984 uh, burn uh, va- video of Michael Jackson's scalp on fire, which is freaky, mm-hmm. it really is. So uh, people want to know more about it, of course, and then they're still trying to blame people for it, which is kind of weird also. Uh, so they had the uh, the fire guy who was there that day. Don Donister was the captain of the L.A. Fire Department at the time of the incident and uh, said it exploded too early due to uh, that song and dance routine, igniting his hair in flames, and he talks more about it. When I got him off the floor, he was, he was a little dazed, disoriented. Uh, as we walked him back, uh, he was worried that he wanted to know how severe the burn was. And he also asked about his face. He said, did, did any of the sparks hit my face or is my face burned? I told him, Michael, no, your face is fine. Well, that was clearly a lie because didn't mm-hmm. they say afterward that they, I mean, although maybe in the rush of excitement, they couldn't necessarily tell. Mm-hmm. But I think they said that it had, he had second and third degree burns on his scalp and his face. And if you watch that video, I mean... It's it's freaky because he's walking down the stairs and they show the shot from behind. And it's and amazing. It's full on. It's not just like a little flame. Like his entire head is on fire. He's yeah. a candle. I mean, yeah, yeah he is engulfed. His head is engulfed in flame. Uh, and then they pull him up off the floor after throwing the towel over him. And there's a huge section of his hair that is gone, and his yeah. scalp is just. I mean, and you know the thing about burns are you know, the, the burns. Th- um. What am I trying to say? They look worse over time. In other words, something that has been burned 30 seconds ago and something that was burned yesterday, uh, you know, it takes a while for that damage to really assert itself in an aesthetic sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's as bad as it looked right there. It must have been like way, way worse. Uh, it's easy to see why you get hooked on the on pain medication. Harry Potter and Half-Blood Prince is now in theaters. Daniel Radcliffe uh, said it was wonderful working with the film's director, David Yates. You know, the fact that he came back for The Sick, which is, you know, I think he's only the second director to, to have done two movies now, is remarkable. And he's still got the same energy, the same vibrancy, and he's just, yeah, he's, uh, you know, a joy to work with. Every time I get on set, I look, you know, I look forward to seeing him, because he's not, there's nothing, he's got a genuine um, enthusiasm about him, which is really great. And this is the guy who plays Harry. Yes, mm-hmm. Daniel. It, Tim, have you seen this yet? Seen what? The new Harry Potter. No, it's uh, it's quite something. The he has a real John Lennon thing uh, going on in this, and not just because of the glasses. I mean, it's easy to say that, but he's got his delivery. He, I would be surprised 
if he didn't model him his delivery and his personality a little bit on John Lennon. He seems to have a little bit of that sharp kind of wry sort of spiky delivery that Lennon had a lot of in a lot of his more public moments. Meanwhile, what's his name? Rupert Grint, mm-hmm. which is a great name. Sounds all Dickensian. He Rup- just looks like fun. Doesn't Rupert Grint sound like a guy who would come to collect monies that, that you owe? Mr. Murdstone has sent me to collect, my lord. Whack! Right in the knee. Here's Rupert Grint. He's, he's got a lot more confidence in this one because obviously he's in, he's in the Quidditch team as well, which will boost him up as well. This is uh, Ron Weasley. Yeah, he's got a girlfriend. He he does think he's quite he's quite good in this one. So um, yeah, that was, that was quite fun to do as well because that's something I've never really sort of um, done in the other films as well. So it's been that's been quite Stop fun. Stop trying to sound so British. Seriously, and he <laughs> looks just like Liam Gallagher in this movie. There a moment I turned, I was talking to Paddock. I'm like Liam Gallagher, uh, and he's uh, you know he's there's that long sequence where he's uh, making out with what's that lavender uh, yeah. chick and. Am I the only one also, that, and I can say this because it's been out for like four days, so it's, a is lot of people a have spoiler? It's not a spoiler, but it's like there's a Quidditch uh, thing. Did you think that all the Quidditch have looked especially phallic this time around? No. Really? Okay, because I've talked to many people who thought that. Because Wait, what, what, like the poles and stuff? The, 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 the poles the and the holes? Wait, what? What? The holes in the, on the ends of the poles. That you throw the balls through. The rings? Yes. No, I'm talking about the broom they have between their legs, like like no. a like a member. No. Well, well, you can't help but have it look. I mean, you'd crash flying your broom any other way. Okay. You have to ride a broom. Like there that. are okay, but I think this film. I think they. In, if, if you take a broom riding lesson, they would tell you that's a way to ride a broom. I think that there, there seems to be a little bit of blue humor uh, in this film, though, ever so slightly. A lot. There seems to be some double entendre because this film is so much about it has to be said sexual tension mm-hmm. between some of the characters. But there's that guy. What's his name? Who's who's all into Hermione? Isn't it, the guy? And he's but he's like the, the I forget. It's not Cedric Diggory, but it's what's his oh, name? Oh, the good looking dumb guy. The guy who's like the bronzed, you yeah. know, like good looking blonde guy and he's like so i'll be thinking of you when i'm out on the quidditch course then right okay and then they show him and he's on a broom and he's leaning back and the broom is up at like a full-on 40 degree angle and he like <laughs> winks at her and i mean i completely and i don't think that's my dirty mind i think everybody except for sarah saw what i saw it could be a little bit of your dirty mind. yeah all right uh let's do one more and then i'll play uh one or two choice uh, cuts from the uh america's next top model auditions yes. and we'll, you uh, haven't asked me to play anything from emma watson yet well, I don't want to seem Lavender, like that guy. This kind of slightly, um, slightly loony girl. Um, slightly leany? Loony. Loony. Oh. That's ever happened. And she, um, she basically sort of takes, takes him away from her. And um, she's a bit heartbroken by it all, to be honest. How old is that girl who plays Lavender? Do we know? Anyone? I, I, I don't know. I didn't look it up. Well, I'm going to assume that she's... Uh, I'm assume that I'm 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 going to assume that she's uh, has reached adulthood. No, 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 no. I'm quite the opposite. I, you don't ever assume she, that she's getting younger. Don't. It, it, yeah, I, I I have learned as I've become an old person. You don't ever assume uh, a girl's age because you can never tell. Because girls now are not like girls then. Um, well, in any event, which actually is a way to tie into the America's Next Top Model audition. So this last Saturday. Uh, the CW, uh, Northwest 32, they were doing the casting call for America's Next Top Model, and they air um, this uh, show that I host. There's a show called Outlook Portland, which airs uh, Sundays at 6.30 on Northwest 32 TV. So when they're not airing the glory that is uh, me, Rick Emerson, they have America's Next Top Model, and there was an opening cast, open casting call where you can just show up, anybody, and if you meet certain of the requirements, you can film a little two-minute thing that they send off to Tyra Banks' people and then whatever, and then from that they pick all the finalists and so forth. So they're like, hey, do you want to come out and check this out? I'm like, sure, why not? And I had, I was telling you guys during the break, I really had no idea what to expect. It was insane. I mean, there were girls sleeping outside in tents, which, by the way, is not the way to look fresh-faced uh, when you coincide to be uh, you know, interviewed. 
But I was in there at the height line because it was all 5'7 and over. You had to be 5'7 and over. So I was there to sort of turn girls away who were, you know, 5'5, who had been told their whole lives that they Gleefully. were 5'7. <laughs> Your I life was destroyed. It wasn't gleeful, though. I mean, not at first. Uh, eventually it was. Eventually I found myself sounding like that guy in Showgirls when he's like, ladies, turn and turn and thrust. She's thrust it. Pelvic thrust. That, and I found myself, I was talking like, what's her name though? Like, uh, I was talking like, like the kind of butch, uh, the kind of butch woman in Showgirls who's telling you, to, right now you're on a diet of vegetables and brown rice. I, so, <laughs> ladies, come in, shoes off, up against the wall, stand, don't lean, please. And I, and I was like, who, what is this voice coming out of my head? Why am I doing this? Um, and then girls would stand up and they'd stand at the line and I would say, I'm sorry, not 5'7", next. And, and she, I am so 5'7", I said, the line is here, you are here, you have to go now, thank you. And I, mean, I was getting this third-person view of myself, like, you're sounding slightly odd today, Rick you're Emerson. You're an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> what an ass you are. Uh, so I did ask uh, a couple of the girls to give me their thoughts after their audition. Um, one of my uh, stock questions was, what song describes you as a person? And this is a girl named Noelle. And that is important Noelle. because of her answer. I say, what song describes you as a person, Noelle? If you were to describe yourself using a song, what song describes you as a person? Um, I'll just have to say the first Noelle, since that's my name in Christmas. <laughs> since that's my name in Christmas. <laughs> uh, we'll do one more from Noelle here. This is the same girl. So out of you know, everybody in the entire world who competes for this, what do you think you bring to the table that could make you America's next top model? Actually, kind of funny thing. Um, the other day, I was in downtown Portland at a restaurant, Chipotle, and a uh, photographer stopped me photographer. and uh, told me I had a fresh <laughs> face. So I think I have a fresh face, and that's what I could bring to you. Do you know that, <laughs> you know that he was really a photographer? Or he... I did, actually. He showed his portfolio, got his business card and everything. Photographer. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, let's see. There is a girl where I ask her, I say, what do you think you, you know, what is unique about you? And there's just a long long pause this might be it what is it you think you bring to the table that will set you apart from the other entrants from America's Next Top Model um, well I have really long legs <laughs> um, I'm not really sure that's the oh, that's kind of energy I hope she brought to her audition tape, by the way. All that self-esteem. Uh, all right. I don't have time to play the one from the bipolar chick. Uh, maybe I'll play that if she makes it to the semifinals. All right. So there you go. That's on that a different uh, pageant, isn't it? Yeah. Next time, <laughs> next time, next time, all three of us go. We can probably get every girl interviewed. That uh, that and way. crying? Yes. And no, no. No. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, also Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com, and Dax Holt from TMZ. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler at the front desk, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds, executive producer Christopher J. Paddock coming up at 9. It is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. It is Friday, July 17th, 2009, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. See you all Monday. Bye now. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening. KUFO Portland.
from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We thank you for listening to us today. It is Wednesday, July 15th, and uh, it's 503-228-4101 if you would like to uh, engage with us on the telephone, 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like at 52051, 52051. In just a moment, we'll be talking to uh, our good friend uh, Chris Sneven, who's downtown for the Chappelle thing last night. Tim Riley, what other headlines are we following on this Wednesday? Something to shock Sarah Dillon, your former employer, Coin6. Files for Chapter 11 Bankruptcy. Oh. No. Coin 6. That's right. New Vision Television, which owns them. If only they had employees to report on that. They're only $400 million in debt. <laughs> After getting rid of everybody, they're still in debt. God, I can't even how imagine there? how bad it must be at this point, because three years ago, it was bad. Well, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe the practice of saving money by firing everybody at the bottom of the uh, wage chain is a bad that idea. That sucks, though, because I still have a lot of friends who work over there. Mm-hmm. Really? How is that possible? Okay, no, my friend Tim works there, and uh, my friend Ollie. Well, that is, I, here's the, well, here's the thing. Is that the bankruptcy, it's not going to go off the air. Well, that's yeah, they're not going to be. I mean, the bankruptcy doesn't mean that they're going to be fired. Okay. It'll be run off a laptop somewhere, but it'll still be on the air. <laughs> it'll be the all-comedy radio of uh, yes, of the television news yeah, world. Three years ago, when I was working there, um, they had, they just started laying off like all the camera mm. people and had it all you know like computerized. Yeah. We need more shots of a wall that happened halfway through a newscast they for nice no reason. pictures in the lobby. Yeah. Seem to find that they do wonderful things. <laughs> that they, there's, well, they did back in the they, 50s. That they did, yes. Uh, it's, at some point, it becomes like the Hall of Dead Presidents when you walk through that place. It's like, oh, I, I remember. I mean, they have a building named after them. You expect more. Yes. Yes, you do, Tim. I've learned that expecting more is always a road to disappointment, though. I'm going to try to manage expectations from now on, as they say in the sales department. I, it's not the fault of the people who work there. So. No. Well. Well. Anyway, it's 503 This is going to take us down a road of ugliness. Yeah, we should let's stop. Just, let's move forward. 503-228-4101. Uh, coming up this hour at 720, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, uh, who lost in all of this Michael Jackson and Dave Chappelle and the, what with the rock and roll and the MTV uh, is uh, the Sotomayor hearings, which uh, I keep adding a D at the end of that. The Sotomayor hearings, which I only care about because apparently there might be some sort of conflagration today because the theory seems to be She's got a horrible temper, and if they jab her enough, uh, she'll just sort of explode, which I'm hoping for. Uh, we'll also talk to Jim Roop later on about uh, what CBS is reporting now, that TMZ is reporting, that the Michael Jackson thing is being called a homicide. So that's uh, on the way, and I'm not making a that up. A homicide? It's a homicide. Uh, the, uh, ah, never mind. I was going to make a Hamas side thing. There's no point. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend Chris Sneathan from OnTheVig.com. Hello, sir. How are you today? Oh, Burnt. Oh, please. Are you, are you really going to call uh, here to complain about being tired? You had the <laughs> strength to call you to complain about being tired. Yes. Here's the th- you had the strength to email me about 20 minutes ago, uh, by the way. So presumably speaking is more or less along the same exertion level. Um, so the, the, so you were there at the, at the Chappelle thing last night. When when did you hear how what was the chain of events for you? When did you first hear about it? My chain of events was I saw a thing on Twitter Gosh, probably 2.30 or 3 o'clock yesterday. Uh, it was a retweet of a retweet of something somebody said. And uh, did a little bit of research into it and found another blog online that was basically posting as it happens type uh, uh, updates of what was uh, being said. And, yeah, I just thought I'd go down there and check it out. And so what time did you get to, to Pioneer Courthouse Square? I got down there last night about 
10.30. All right. And so, see, and I had gotten, I started getting emails, people saying, hey, there's, they're saying a stage is being constructed and people are already gathering. And yeah. it, so the, the sort of lateness of the hour and the lameness of my life, coupled with the fact that I, it just seemed like there was already enough people sort of streaming into that place. There was going to be no way to get anywhere near close. Um, you know, I just kind of pulled the ripcord. But um, so when you got there, uh, what was the? I mean, what was the size of the crowd, and what was the what was the sort of mood of the crowd? When I got there, about like I said, about ten thirty, it was uh, there were a couple hundred of us. Uh, you know, we were starting to fill up the steps uh, along the I guess south end of the square, and uh, I mean, it was a good it was a good vibe, and you know, everybody was just kind of uh, hanging out, waiting to see what would happen, and then uh, you know, as time went on, people just kept marching in and. Uh, by the time, you know, midnight, 1230 rolled around, the thing I'm reading online says, you know, there were 4,000 people down there. That wasn't 4,000 people. That was closer to seven or eight. I think uh, there was somebody reporting, I think Oregon Live said that they estimated at eight, least 12. eight. Yeah, they at least eight, possibly even 12, but that it became difficult to tell because as people sort of fanned out into the darkness, you know, it gets real tricky to do like a head count. Um, it was, I mean, we, we've just seen some photographs, and these uh, these are not yet posted, so I'll try to get these. Uh, Sarah and I are going to get these uh, put up on the website. We have a listener yeah. named uh, Josh who is a, who does security down there in that area. He has some photographs that are just they're just amazing, and so I apologize if these are not up yet. These will be up here in just a few, but, I mean, it's just thousands and thousands of people. I mean, it looks like, I don't know what the I actual... I tell you, the one thing that really impressed me last night was the reaction of both the security and uh, the Portland police, who were both just outstanding, I thought. Uh, when I first got there, there were four or six uh Pioneer Square security, and you know those guys pride themselves on the fact that that's actually private property. It's actually managed by some Uber entity, and they've got their own security force in there. Um, and, but you know they stood there and, and you know kind of kept things in order as best they could when there were a couple hundred of us. And then as it as it uh, escalated, um, like I said, you know the police pretty much stayed out of there. Security definitely stayed out of there. Uh, it was a, you know, it was a cool crowd, and they were just going to let them do what they wanted to do. And so that, like I said, that that was the one thing uh, that, that really surprised so, me. Last night, other than the fact that the band himself showed up. Well, that's so, we, and we'll get to that in a second. So, Mike, here's a question: Is we were talking about this earlier this morning? You got to imagine that somebody from the city knew about this, or had been told. In other words, you know, everybody, as you said, you know, it was all over Facebook. It was all over Twitter. Sarah and right. I both started getting text messages about it at like 7, 8 o'clock at night. It seems difficult to believe that nobody at the city either, A, heard the rumor, or B, noticed that there was like 5,000 people gathered in Pioneer Courthouse Square, which makes the failure to have like a microphone there uh, is all the more inexplicable. Well, and, and like I told you in my second email this morning, KGW's got a stinking studio right there. I don't understand why they weren't there, and I don't understand why they didn't have power, because that's that's ultimately what did the whole thing in, was the fact that nobody could find an outlet that worked. Right. So I, the, the, the observation I made earlier today is that somebody ought to just, there's a radio shack with inside, you can see a radio oh, yeah. shack from that place. And you know what? Uh, radio, you've got questions? Radio shack has uh, answers and microphones and cables and plugs. H- had they been... Uh kinder to the person working at Starbucks, perhaps he might have let them plug in an extension cord <laughs> instead of smashing their furniture, dancing on their roof, shouting profanity. Hey, uh, by the way, can I press my greasy flesh up against your uh, up against your right. window here and also break things? Oh, can you let us use How that extension like cord? would you my bones? <laughs> um, so when he, when he finally uh, appeared, 
Was it difficult? Somebody told me that there was a guy who occasionally would just start shouting, Dave Chappelle is here! But that was at like 11 p.m. Um, when he finally appeared, what was what was the moment like when he finally showed up? And how could you tell he was really there? Were you able to see? Uh, I was not. And I'll be honest with you, Rick, about 1230, uh, there became a point where I looked at the risk-reward factor and saw naked people on the roof of the Starbucks and saw kids. <laughs> uh, there's a... Uh, Underneath where the the chess set is, there on the north, I guess northwest corner, up above there, there's some like rafters and random beams that are like twenty, thirty feet up right. in the air, and kids were up there uh, balance beaming on those things. And I just looked and I said, you know what, that's that's enough for me. I'm uh, uh, I'm out. Yeah, so I left about twelve thirty. So uh, is uh, just as and I got home just in time to see uh, my friend Ben uh, Sherman, who's editor at Oregon Live had posted pictures of Chappelle actually leaving the Heathman on his way down there. Uh, and so I crossed paths with Chappelle at some point uh, because he was coming down as I was going home. Wow. Uh, and that's disappointing. Yes. Well, whatever you do, don't let that haunt you for the rest of your life. Exactly. Uh, I try not to dwell on that today as you're, uh, as you're trying to go about the rest of your well, existence. Well, and reading everything that I've read online, I... I <sighs> Yeah, I missed the the moment itself, but I don't think I missed anything. Well, especially because the, the, from all accounts, it it really became sort of a uh, it became sort of a thing where you could kind of hear the thin voice sort of like coming through you through this wall right. of humanity of just thousands of people down there. Well, and that was the thing is, that, you know, when there were a couple hundred of us down there, I thought, well, okay, you know, Dave's going to show up with a Marshall amp and it'll all be cool. And then as people kept coming in and coming in. I still had this vision of this lonely guy, you know, with a marshal strapped to his back or whatever, right. trying to wade through the crowd and get set up and everything. And I just thought, I, at some point, like I say, about 1230, I just looked and I said, there's no way he's even going to get in here, let alone be able to get up on stage or do anything. Do you, because, from what you've heard, do you know if the story that started circulating is he told four guys at a gym and then it escalated online into this huge, uh, you know, this, this conflagration of rumor about how he was going to be a pioneer court square, which he was. But do you know if he or if he told people, look, I'm going to be in Portland to do some sort of a surprise show, maybe at a club or, you know, venue or something. Or if he just said, hey, I'm going to be in Portland. And then somebody somewhere made the leap to, oh, I bet he's performing. And therefore, you know, it became a thing he then had to do. Did it happen? I don't know what what the the genesis of all of that was. I uh, the one thing it was all like I said, it was all internet rumor, and it was nobody that I knew. And so that was kind of the thing. Is is the and the one thing that flipped was there was finally a guy that I knew last night who said that he had seen him uh, at the food carts there at Twelfth and, and Hawthorne. And he'd actually purchase something there, like at eleven thirty or something like that. And he said that he was on his way. And I just looked at that, and I looked at that guy, and I said, you know, well, you know, maybe he's playing with us, maybe he's not. I don't know. But that was the one confirmation for me that said, okay, he's in town and he's on his way. Um, and I and I haven't heard yet whether the guy was was pulling my leg right. or not. But but like I say, you know, for me it was, um, you know, I was trusting friends of of friends to right. To not be jobbing me, and you know, in like retrospect, it looks like it worked out. I, but I don't know if it was just four guys. Everything that I was reading was saying, you know, he was at the the Wujamaya, uh out in Beaverton. 
I think so, it up. Suddenly then, he's become Kaiser Soze, where he is uh, oh gosh, he everywhere. everywhere. All right. Uh, well, I'll let you, uh, I will let you recuperate a little bit, my friend. I thank you for spending some uh, time with us. This is Chris Neathan from OnTheVig.com. And I'm, I'm going to put you on hold for just one second. So hang All on, right. sir. There you go. Chris Neathan, ladies and gentlemen. All right. And we've got some uh, great photographs uh, th- that uh, Sarah has just put up on her Facebook page. And I'm going to get those to RickEmerson.com. Actually, uh, SarahXDillon.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh And then I'm going to put those at RickEmerson.com as well. Some photographs taken from our listener, Josh, who was there above the crowd showing these thousands of people. Stay there. We're back in just a moment with Lisa Desjardins from Capitol Hill. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunions hurt. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It is uh, 52051. Uh, now up at com and rickemerson.com. You can see these photographs from listener Josh of the Chappelle gathering that happened uh, last night, 12.53 a.m., Tim. Is that when he first showed up? Yes. And we just look at naked strippers dancing on Starbucks roof. Yeah, I'm putting that up now. Not like as a <laughs> hobby, not not just now. Uh, no. So in just a moment at these uh, same websites, at SarahXDillon.com, uh, RickEmerson.com, you'll be able to see we now have, uh, courtesy of listeners, Seamus, we now have footage of the strippers who were dancing. This just sounds insane. It just, even as I'm saying it out loud, it just sounds ridiculous. Are these strippers, do we know, I mean, are they actual strippers or are they just women with no clothes? What's the difference? Fair point. Okay. That's exactly what strippers are, and match. for the most part. That's, I guess that's right. I mean, I guess linguistically I could have worked that out myself. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, from the Hill, CNN radio correspondent to the stars and stylish woman of the world, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hey, it is a crazy day up here on Capitol Hill. It's great. I feel like I need to flatline. It's not even 11 a.m. in Washington. You need to flatline? Yeah, you know, just when your brain dies, even from overload... Is this like a, you mean like you mean like Julia Roberts, and then there's a whole thing where you're back, and then you hit a guy with, and with Sutherland? Yeah. You know, actually, I didn't get past like the first few minutes of that movie. Is that what happened? It's a terrible film. There's no reason for you to watch that. Yeah, that's, I think uh, that's what happened. No. Yeah. It is. So you've got uh, the confirmation thing uh, happening, which we'll get to in just a moment. And so yeah. if it sounds like we were just speaking a bunch of gibberish, it's uh, <laughs> you, you'll probably read about this later. I don't know if you're much of a Dave Chappelle fan, um, but Dave Chappelle, who has been keeping a real low profile and hadn't really done a lot of public appearances, certainly not a huge crowd performance uh in downtown portland it, you, well you've been at pioneer courthouse square which is a big open plaza oh yeah internet rumors just started spreading last night that dave Chappelle was going to be in town and everybody sort of immediately you know they just sort of dismissed it but enough people believed it that it sort of the rumors spread exponentially and at one o'clock in the morning sure enough dave Chappelle just appeared in the middle of downtown portland last night um, and was there until around 2 30 and twelve thousand people just showed up in the again right in the, in the heart of downtown and so we're sort of getting reports and photos and handheld videos and there was some people climbed up on top of a starbucks nearby and just began stripping and it was all <laughs> seriously it was like some weird it was like some weird fellini film uh, you know courtesy of, uh, of comedy central it was all very strange um that's weird it's like some really strange uh Northwest Burning Man thing. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. This is just like a maximum overdrive where the earth goes through the tail of a comet and suddenly everything goes insane. So uh, what is the particular brand of insanity happening uh, out there? What is, the, what is the mood like right now where these confirmation hearings are taking place? I, I got nothing that can come 
compare with that. I mean, I'll, I'll give you my best, but, geez, you, you guys win today, and so that's good news for Portland. You win. Uh, all we've got in Washington, we've got Sonia Sotomayor defending yet again her wise Latina comments. Probably the headline you'll hear from Republicans is that this morning she said that she stands by those words. She feels like they were misunderstood, but she stands by them. Uh, you know, the words that a wise Latina judge could more often than not uh, rule better than a white male judge, blah, blah, blah. That's going on all day, Sonia Sotomayor hearings. But so far, Republicans really haven't um, drawn any blood, barely even bruised her, I would say. Meanwhile, lots and lots of action on health care. The the Senate Health Committee just passed its version of health reform. Last night, Democrats in the House dropped their 1,000-page bill on how they want to change health care. And I, I think what thing people should pay attention to is the House version right now uh, would mandate that everyone gets health insurance. And, you know, a lot of people think that's a great idea. Some people disagree. But in the House version, if you don't get health insurance, you would be penalized, you would pay two and a half percent of your income. So this is like the Massachusetts thing where they just tell you flat out like you got to do it. Yeah, or you got to pay up, or yeah. you got to pay a significant amount of your income, two and a half percent. So all that is going on. It's it's the Republicans have unveiled a hilarious and very confusing chart that they say represents the Democratic plan. Um, it's it's pretty funny to look at. Uh, so that's all going on. And meanwhile, also on the House side. Right now I'm recording, I have no idea what they're saying, a conference call because there is a major education bill that's just been dropped. Uh, Democrats are going to raise the amount of scholarships for low-income students, or they want to, and they're going to take away all of the federal subsidies for student loan companies that that put out federal loans, essentially. So it's going to be billions of dollars that they're going to take away from the student loan companies and put back into higher education. At least that's what they want. This is clearly one of those days, isn't it? This is one of those days inside one of those months, inside one of those years. I mean, 2009 has really been, I have to say, this has been a pretty slam-bang year so far. I mean, and the last six weeks or so, it really has just, what Art Bell used to call the quickening, I think, has really uh, started to happen. I mean, it seems like things are happening at an exponential rate of development now. It's really great. Major events are happening here, and people are sort of not paying attention to them because there's, there's just too much... Uh, going on, and then you get these random emails from people, and, and you know you feel bad. They've got an interesting story, or they, yeah, sure, I'd love to talk about Medicare, but you know, I mean, well, I mean, who wouldn't? But you just don't have time. You should spread the rumor that Snoop Dogg is going to make an unscheduled appearance on the floor of the Senate. Uh, he's just going to appear down there just to, and and to freestyle his thoughts on health care for the people. I am so impressed with Portland. This is really changing my outlook on the day that that happened there. It's, it's fantastic. It's pretty weird. As Hunter Thompson said, I love this quote. He said that after midnight, anything is possible. And it is. it, it, it was really, really weird at around 8 o'clock. And it is, you know, the, the, to make the obvious point, it is sort of the power of, of, of the Internet and of social networking and of the sort of coalescing of all different forms of communication. And this, and can we all just say this too? Stuff like last night's Chappelle appearance, where again, it went from at seven o'clock, I hadn't, you know, I was completely oblivious. No one knew what was going to happen, probably. And then you fast forward to two in the morning where there's 10,000 people standing downtown. And it is at times like this where you really have to take back some of the snarky things that you say about Twitter. Because I, you know, we make, we, I mean, I use that, but I make fun of it all the time. But it is, but it's perfect for stuff like that because you're just getting real time reports by the fistful from people who are there kind of seeing every second of an unfold. It was, it was actually pretty legitimately uh, great. When you get a chance, you should go to, um, 
Go to my website. Go to rickemerson.com. You'll see a couple photographs taken by a listener, Josh, who is a security guard in one of the buildings that is adjacent to the gathering. And it's just a, it's a, just a, you know, it's an amateur photo, but you can see it's just thousands of people spreading out into the night. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I've just been making your pizzas, but what did he do? He, he kind of, did he wait? Did he, well, did he do it? What what he did is that's that's a whole separate issue. What, so he essentially showed up, and it was he showed up at around twelve fifty three. Tim, what was the timeline? He showed up at twelve fifty three. Uh huh. He then what what happened? Starts talking, and uh, then he says he's he's waiting for uh, more equipment because I think he underestimated the amount of people that he were said he'd be, be there. back in a while. Then by two o'clock, it was clear that a better system wouldn't arrive. At one point, uh, he grabs the OPB reporter's microphone. And at 2.09, he walks to... Now, we have two varying stories. One said he left in an SUV. Another story says he walked to the Heathman Hotel. I heard where, that he walked because the Heathman's only you know, right. a couple blocks from there. And there, there are pictures of him chatting with fans on the sidewalk, so I believe that part. So the, the, so the, the long and the short of it is that... And he was staying at the Heathman, apparently. And, and we were discussing this earlier. As you know, our mayor has had some... Uh, He's had some problems, both personal and public, and of the publicly personal recently. <laughs> and this is Portland, really, I have to say, did uh, the city of Portland, rather, the, the city government uh, did choke in a big way on this last night. Because what they realized is there's actually no power and no microphone at Pioneer Courthouse Square. So you get Dave Chappelle, who has, uh, you know, is one of, the, one of the most talented comics and one of the most famous comics of his generation. He has the all time best selling DVD of a TV show ever. Uh, he shows up, there's 12,000 people, and there's no microphone. So he ends up talking through one of those little tiny handheld things that you use when you're trying to get people at a blood cross uh, at a Red Cross blood donation to form an orderly line. It, it isn't KGW has a studio right there. If somebody just came down and locked the door and plugged in an extension cord, that, they would have been in business. That's the thing. And one of our news stations, one of our television stations, has a studio that is 50 feet away, but because they've managed they spent to... zillions of dollars building. Well, with technology and all, they no longer need to have humans working there, so there was no one there to cover it. But th- the point I was making is I, it, it's impossible to believe that our mayor or that somebody at the city didn't either, A, hear about this, or, you know, notice the fact that suddenly 12,000 people appeared in the middle of downtown at midnight. And if he had just, if if Sam Adams had just, if he had ridden in on a horse holding a microphone above his head like Excalibur, saying, I have brought you a microphone, Dave Chappelle, that you might speak to the people. You know what? All of that guy's publicity problems, all of his PR difficulties would have vanished in a puff of greatness. Yeah. So, missed opportunities. All right. Man, who else? Who else could have done this with Dave Chappelle? I like that Dave Chappelle is now a, get. He, this, this adds to a, his mythic status. It does. It. His mystique remains intact. All right. Have a fantastic day, Lisa. You guys too. There you go, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen, from the Hill. All right. What a day. What a day. All right. Uh, we come back. We will have the top five songs you are guaranteed to hear in every strip club, and Tim Riley will have more news for you, ladies and gentlemen. We're live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show, or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. I was toilet trained at 12. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, in just a moment, we will uh, uh, talk to Sarah's hot friend, Heather, who was at uh, Chappelle last night. She was there last night, yep. So Through the whole thing. 
I was going to ask you what time she got there, but I guess we'll let, we'll let her kind of give the, the lowdown here in a second. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Wednesday morning? Well, it seems like comedian Dave Chappelle made a surprise appearance at Pioneer Courthouse Square at 12.53 this morning. And uh, there were police on hand, but nobody caused any problems. Of course, there were some gross strippers on the roof of Starbucks, but there's very little you can do about them. By the way, and by, all you can really do with them is to watch them, and you can do that right now at uh, rickemerson.com. I've posted the uh, the video uh, so we're kind of, so slowly but surely things are, are ticking up. We're getting like it's turned into sort of a flood of photos and audio and video. It is. It's. It's. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty astounding, actually. So, uh, before we do anything else, I want to say very quickly here uh, that we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the Timbers versus Burnley game. That is Burnley, a football club from the English Premier League. Uh, the game happens Saturday, July twenty fifth at PGE Park, and also one grand prize winner gets to sit on the bench with the players and hang out with the one and only Sarah X Dillon on the field before Ooh. the game. Oh. Uh, it's really cool. The field's very squishy. Unlike <laughs> unlike yourself, uh, you, you are now much less squishy. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. If you're caller 10 right now, you win a pair of tickets to the Timbers versus Burnley. The game is 25th, and you'll be uh, entered in the uh, grand prize drawing to sit on the bench with the players and hang out with Sarah Dillon on the field before the game, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show our good friend, uh, Heather. Hello, Heather. How are you today? I am pretty tired. Uh, are you? Would you say that you are more tired or more hungover or more a confluence of the above two? I think it's a, a mix of the two because the standing around for hours kind of eased up the drunkenness. And, the and also drinking a bottle of whiskey, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that happened too. Wait a minute is that a is that is that a figurative is that a comical overstatement of the situation or did you actually consume a bottle of whiskey? I had a few sips off of a bottle of whiskey. Sarah, what am I not being told? Uh, my friend Jessica, um, they weren't drinking in public. and Of course not. That would be wrong. Of course not. No, but I mean, theoretically. <laughs> from like a sidewalk stand. I, I heard that a lot of whiskey was consumed and perhaps um, other folks, not Heather, because Heather uh, lives a clean lifestyle and uh-huh. other folks were smoking the pot. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, of course, we couldn't condone or endorse that kind of behavior at all. Uh, Heather, by the way, uh, when she's not busy talking to us about Dave Chappelle, molds young minds uh, at an educational facility uh, somewhere in not our so great young. state. She's, she's a college teacher. Uh, well, but I mean, you know, but, yeah. but you know, she uh, but she does um, she does school folks so i'll let you so we'll let you return to your normal life here in just a moment what time did you get to pioneer courthouse square last night we got there somewhere like 11 30 11 45 and it was already insanely crazy and so when you got there i mean did you did you think it was actually going to happen or were you sort of thinking it was all just a, just a goof you kind of wanted to go down there in the off chance i mean did you what did you believe it was going to take place I don't know, but I wanted to just see what was going to happen anyways. Because no matter what, it was going to be crazy. And so you were situated... Well, because we also, like, we were out earlier in the night, and um, we had bumped in... Because we knew he was in town, because we were on Hawthorne, and uh, we bumped into a bunch of people who kept saying, like, saw Dave Chappelle at Tai Tai, saw Dave Chappelle at, you know, Zach Shack. Like, people were seeing him all around everywhere. And somebody had sent... Like, we've got a uh, text who says, um, he told my sister's friend at Local 35 on Hawthorne that he was going to be there. So, uh, so people were kind of spotting him, uh, you know, all over the city, or else there's a bunch of Chappelle... Uh, Doppels that I don't know about. So in Pioneer Courthouse Square, where were you situated, like relative to the Starbucks? Let's say we were on the like balcony of the Starbucks, underneath oh. where all the people were sitting, and later the people getting naked. Oh, so you were there. So you yes. were within eye within eye shot of the stripping. Oh, very close. Uh, were they were there naked people like running around? Well, it was just one girl and two guys, and like a bottle of liquor. Were they uh, were they unpleasant looking? Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> one did have sores covering his body. I'm sorry. One of them did have sores covering his body, as I saw later up close when they were 
dancing and gathering change in the fountain. Well, <laughs> I love Portland. That city's awesome. Um, all right, so uh, you're there. Chappelle shows up at around 12.53. And th- could you see him, or was it more that, <clears throat> that you could tell from the crowd reaction that, that he was there? Well, we actually left around 12.30 and decided to forego the whole adventure and started getting text messages that he was there. So we went back and moved up kind of closer nearer to the stage. Okay. And he, he was, and at that point is when he didn't have... He didn't have a microphone at all, I think, then, or maybe he had the little handheld thing. And then he left and returned. How long did you stay for? I was there until he left, like 2.45. And was there, I mean, it, I'm trying to kind of get a handle on on how the crowd was reacting, because it just looks, I'm looking at this photograph here, and it looks like it was, uh, you know, Oregon Live is saying upwards of 8,000 people, and it looks between 8 and 10, of how the crowd reacted when they must have realized that well, he's over there, but we can't really hear him. Was Did you feel at any point like there was going to be some sort of a, uh, a ruckus? No, it really wasn't like that. I kind of expected something like that, but it was a little more like disappointed, shrugging of shoulders and walking away. <laughs> sort of a, well, that was uh, an evening of my life. Was it kind of like like a Woodstock kind of thing where everyone's just passing around like liquor and like smoking and like just hanging out? Yes, there was very much of that going on. Plus, people, you know, people may have bought a can of beer for ten dollars when they were getting desperate. <laughs> people, really? not no one we know, Did of you, course. Are you serious? Do we know oh, somebody <laughs> who purchased a can of beer for ten dollars? There was someone within the group of people I was with who purchased a can of beer for ten dollars. <laughs> I bet it was Kelsey. You know what? It's good to see that capitalism is alive and well in at least some sectors of this American uh, this American experience we have here. All right. Uh, Sarah tells me that you have to go administer a test to some students. <laughs> so it's good to hear that you're in fighting trim to do that today. So we'll, we'll let you get back to that. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate you uh, talking to us. No problem. All right. There you go. That is uh, Sarah's friend, Heather. Who was where, where was she a professor? <laughs> oh, she works for a college. We... <laughs> Seeing as how somebody may have, uh, and I, I don't know if it was Heather who bought the can of beer for $10, but it sounds like it was Heather who was helping to drain a bottle of whiskey. So I don't know that we should really uh, announce <laughs> no, she, where she, she teaches. Like, she's just like, you know what, I'm going to tell my students that I was there last night. I mean, there's nothing to be embarrassed about that. That's something huge that happened. Oh, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I was the one drinking in public and violating private property laws. I, what? No, I, I talk about sparks in the park all the time. It was, well, And so this is the thing uh, that we keep going back to is that so if there is a curfew that happens at midnight, and if he didn't show up for a full hour after that, if he wasn't there until 12.53, and the curfew kicks in uh, you know, at midnight, you got to imagine that the cops had to have been told, I mean, and, you know, unless the cops knew. Is it possible, do you think, that the city was told in some way by like maybe Chappelle's people, or does he even have people at this point? Because if he's I, just wandering the city by himself, he probably doesn't have people. See, so that's, that's the thing I keep going back to. So if the city didn't know it was going to happen... And I'm glad that, that, you know, that nothing, I'm glad that there was no, that there wasn't any sort of confrontation. Sounds like everybody was well behaved. Sounds like, and the, 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 Sneedon kept saying that, you know, security and the cops were very cool. And I, you know, I think we're all glad for that. But it does surprise me that in a city like Portland, where you get, you know, you get like a protest that happened and you get things that occasionally turn a little wonky when suddenly, you know, a group of hippies shows up somewhere and decides that they're going to throw rocks through something. Um, and it sounds like there was a little bit of the Starbucks anyway. It surprises me that the cops didn't say, hey, wait a minute, there's like 3,000 people that have just appeared downtown for no reason after the curfew. Let's let's get down there and, you know, prepare for the worst. Maybe the undercover agents. Uh, those untalked about agencies. Maybe. Maybe they maybe they infiltrated like the M M one five.
Maybe there's the it'll be like in the it'll be like in the old sixties film where there's all the hippies in the room and then there's the guy with the crew cut uh, who's got like a bad tie dye shirt on going, That's right, man, we're gonna fight the it's Let groovy. me tell you something, man. <laughs> Pass me that J, won't you? All right. Let's listen to some Allman Brothers records and talk about bringing down the establishment. Straight ahead, uh, we are going to have more news from Tim Riley. Tim Riley, what headlines do we have today that do not involve Dave Chappelle? Uh, Joe Jackson claims he never beat Michael. He also says Michael's kids could grow up to be entertainers. And Barbara Walters warns parents not to take their kids to see Bruno. Well, note to Joe Jackson, if those kids are going to grow up to be entertainers, I think you know what you have to start doing. What? Oh, no, you said that, Sarah. I didn't say that. Oh, I was, no, no, no. And use the other hand for that anyway. All right. We uh, will return momentarily with news from Tim Riley and Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles at 820. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. Marcus. Hey, Marcus. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. Just got off of work. Uh, all right. So this is so. So Greg Nibbler has told me here uh, that you. How do I put this? You work for an undisclosed hotel somewhere in downtown Portland that may or may not have some relation to the prominent happening that occurred last night. That's pretty accurate. Uh, so what is it? Uh, what is your position at this at this hotel? Where might I find you if uh, if I were to see you at work? Um, that would be during the graveyard shift. All right, and so uh, what is your, uh, what What can you tell us about last night? Um, I, I was just more impressed in the three and a half years I've worked at this hotel, I was more impressed with the turnouts from just text messaging and for hearsay from person to person, a, a great turnout to, to see... Dave Chappelle. I, I thought it was. I was impressed. And did you see uh, when? I, I, and so when did you see the the crowd really thicken up? Like what? What was the time of day? What was the hour where it really started to hit a critical mass in terms of people? Well, it looked like the grand floral. The beginning of the grand floral parade. There was just just those like wagon loads of people going down every street, going to Pioneer Courthouse Square, and. I know they had some pretty bad AV problems, and that's why he came on late. So um, uh, do, we heard. Was, so do you know? Was it pre-planned? This it was pre-planned. It was it was on the internet. Do you know? Let me ask you this: Do we've heard different reports? We heard that he drove back to the to the hotel. We've heard that he walked back to the hotel and kind of uh, yeah. hung out talking with people. Do you do we know for sure? Uh, for a fact, he was escorted by Portland's finest. Really? So the cops actually escorted him there or back or both? Uh, not there. He went there on his own. He came back with the Portland's finest and ended up having to stand in front of that, this certain hotel until about about 3.20 in the morning because he was just such a great sport and was outside talking to everybody. Excellent. Uh, you know, not that you, of course, work at that hotel in question, but if you did, uh, did you come into contact with, uh, with Dave Chappelle at any, uh, at any moment? Uh, numerous times. Excellent. And uh, you've and so did you? I mean, he seemed like a cool guy. Sounds like he was very uh, sort of gracious and very accommodating to all the fans. Enormously. I mean, he, he is he is the nicest guy. Uh, very understanding. Uh, a really good sport. 
and autographs and getting pictures. Everybody was recording and flashing pictures, and he was cool about it. Excellent. Very All right. relaxed. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Marcus. And uh, we appreciate you listening. You spread the word, my friend. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show. Or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. Listen online. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Wednesday morning. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text at 520-51. So up at rickemerson.com right now, uh, we've got listener photos of the Chappelle event that happened uh, last night. Listener Josh took a bunch of those uh, from, from up above. He's uh, working security at the building adjacent. Uh, it's just, uh, you can see probably eight, nine, ten thousand people. Uh, and then we've got uh, this Justin video of the naked folks gyrating atop the Pioneer Courthouse Square Starbucks. Uh, and they are luscious. <laughs> yes. If by luscious you mean uh, pussy, apparently. This is, what did Heather say that the, she said that the one guy had a lot of sores and she noticed that when he was rummaging in a fountain for change yeah, she said later. They were all naked and fishing around in the fountain and uh, covered in sores. Great. Think about that the next time you decide to let your kid stick his hand in that fountain. Uh, and, uh, coming in just a few minutes, by the way, we now have some audio of Chappelle speaking to the crowd last night uh, that Greg Nibbler is working hard to remove the profanity from. So we'll have that here in just a skosh. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, James Roop. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, sir. How's your day going, brother? So far, so good. It's uh, it's only about three or four hours long. So well, we're old so far, so who knows? Well, you know, that's you know, when you when you wake up, uh, what is it? What is it they say in the movie, the paper? Because your entire world can change in just twenty four hours. When you go to bed or when you wake up, you never know uh, what it's going to be like a few hours later. So. Uh, let me ask you this: When I the movie Michael Keaton, that is close. It's a fantastic movie. It is yeah. it, it, the enclosed, and it's got Jason Alexander. Yeah, and it's got uh, yeah, what's plays, his, doesn't he play the parking commissioner or something? He did well, and his name is the parking commissioner, and his name is like Smakowski or something. Yes, and it's got Robert Duvall who has Sandusky. that great Sandusky. Look at yeah. you with the trivia, Mister IMDb. I uh, know it's just it's, I like the movie. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's one of the I'm best. Glad somebody finally shot. Glenn Close in that movie, although it was an accident. <laughs> it's and it's got Robert Duvall saying, "I got a prostate the size yeah. of a bagel." That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the strange thing: I ask people who work in the print media about it, and none of them have ever seen it. But every radio guy has seen the movie, the paper, for some reason. It's a great movie. And it, you know anybody who's ever spent, uh, and we've had a bit, you know, a little bit of uh, the chaotic in the best way, a chaotic morning here because there's, you know, you probably read about this later. There's a whole thing with Dave Chappelle that happened here last night, oh. and. Um, you know, but have you ever spent you know time sort of exhausted and and uh, exhausted, but sort of just jacked up on adrenaline, trying to get some story on the air, or trying to get an interview, or trying to find out the facts of some breaking news? You will identify with the movie, the paper. It's uh, it's yep. it's just and it's just plain fun. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this. So they so with, the, with this Jackson thing. So they've now served. What a second search warrant at the dermatologist's place, right? They already got his medical records, and now they're going well, for something it, else. It, I would call it a search warrant as much as I would call it a subpoena, because okay. all, all uh, the investigator wanted was Michael Jackson's medical records. Served the subpoena, and the re- and the records will be given. He didn't go in and seize anything. Um, so I, I don't know that I would actually call it a search warrant, but uh, a subpoena. He definitely went in with a new subpoena, hand delivered it himself. This is the uh, Assistant Chief Investigator for the County Coroner's Office, and said, "Hey, look, Dr. Klein, we need some 
We need some records here. You know, it's a di- Klein was on. He was on Larry King a while back. And he seemed, I mean, you know, the, the, who knows, you know, what the, what, the, what the reality is. He seemed like a very level-headed, very straightforward guy. And he and he, he said, you know, he goes, I, I, of course I've given Michael Jackson drugs. Like I was one of his physicians. I was one of his doctors. You know, of course I prescribe things. Uh, and he listed off a couple of them, I think. And then, he, and then he said, but, you know, but there's, you know, the, the, obviously there's a line you don't cross. Uh, and he was talking about, I guess, the, the, the Dipper Van and the whatever else. Um, and so, so he seemed pretty... Sort of gruff, but believable, at least to, at least to my mind. Except um, the statement that he made about those kids, and he said, "To the best of my knowledge, well, that was I'm not the father of those kids." That was the weird thing, and there didn't yeah. seem to be any sort of wink or nod there. It didn't seem like it was said for humor. It was sort of like, "Well, I don't know. I mean, it's anything's possible." Yeah. So I don't know if they were just like scraping off skin cells or something and keeping them in a bag so Jackson could figure out uh, like you know who he wanted to be the the, the, the daddy half at some point. It's all very confusing. Um, have you heard what? What do you make of these sort of rumblings out there that the the LAPD is treating the death as a homicide? Well, uh, uh, Chief Bratton said that he said, you know, we're until we hear otherwise, we're going to treat it as a homicide because we don't know what the cause is, and if they don't investigate it properly, then they're going to be way behind the eight ball when the test results come back. If the test results come back, they drop what they're doing, and it becomes, uh, I mean, if, if, it's, if it's proven that it was something other than prescription medications or Dipravan or something in a system that can only be administered by someone or, or a drug that can only be prescribed by someone, um, then the investigation changes. But until they get those results back, and since the, um, the autopsy was inconclusive, they have to treat this thing as if it were a homicide, uh, just in preparation for it. I mean, I think he told CNN last Thursday that that's, that that's the case. But then yesterday, Ed Witter said, we're not investigating the doctors, we're investigating the death of Michael Jackson. So even though there may be a homicide-type investigation going on, no one person is being considered a suspect at this time. Is this a thing where, like, they, at some point, uh, depending on how uh, the test results come back, that the uh, the FDA or the DEA or whoever it is, you know, one of those federal agencies gets involved because it's so high profile and seemingly involves a lot of heavy-duty drugs? The DEA is already involved. They got involved very early in, in this thing when all when these medications were noted in uh, in Michael Jackson's home. I mean, once the LAPD investigators went in there and said, whoa, what's this stuff here? We better call the big boys in. Uh, then the DEA got involved. Mm. And there's already, I, I know that there's been a lot of uh, discussion in Washington recently, at Washington, D.C. I think it was the, the FDA that said that they, they thought there was a real problem with things being overprescribed and even stuff uh, I want to say, is it acetaminophen? Is that the Tylenol? Is that what Tylenol is? I can never yeah. remember. Tylenol will leave. That's acetaminophen. Yeah, where they talked about how they want, they there was actually a panel that recommended to the FDA a couple weeks ago that acetaminophen and uh, things like that be regulated. And some, one group flat out said, they flat out told the FDA that they wanted Vicodin actually taken off the market for the time being because they felt like Americans were running the risk of overdosing on a lot of that acetaminophen stuff because it's in so many drugs, like Vicodin has it in it. And you got to wonder if, if at some point the Jackson thing gets so much heat on that issue that it escalates whatever sort of additional drug prohibitions they were already looking at doing uh, in America because it's got so many people talking about, uh, you know, every time you turn on the, the CNN, there's Dr. Drew's on there talking to Anderson Cooper about, you know, the about prescription drug abuse. So going to have uh, far-reaching, even in death, he will have far-reaching influence and effects, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, with whatever the result of these tests are um, is what's going to determine the future of 
prescription medications or medications in general, because until something as high profile as this happens, you know, I mean, if I think they already mentioned last week X amount of deaths per year from overdosing of uh, antacetaminophen, too much Tylenol, too right. much Aleve, that kind of thing. I know a friend of mine uh, wound up with uh, terrible internal bleeding because, you know, he was taking two, three, four uh, Aleve every day, Yeah, you know. And plus, it's and that and it's in everything. There's you know a million other drugs that have that as as an ingredient. So yeah, uh, all right. well, it's it's a painkiller, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and so I think, but I think people don't realize, uh, you know, how much stuff it's in. And like you said, and you know, of course, American Sarah and I were just talking about this the other day, actually, where you know the ibuprofen, you know, it, it says to take two. Why not take five? Because I was See, just that's just, my problem. Yeah, you know, because I'm at the point now where. Two doesn't help. I got to take, you know, instead of, you know, 400 milligrams, I need 800 milligrams. You're, you're like Dennis Quaid in any given Sunday. He's, he's going to tell that nurse to get me some more morphine. I'm a football player. They got to pump up the volume. All right. See, we, so we start out with the paper. We end with any given Sunday. That's the range of the show. I not one bottle of vodka anymore. Well, no. I mean, what's the fun in that, Jim? Then you're just awake. That's right. All right. On that note, my friend, have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. CNN Radio correspondent and man of the world, James Roop. All right. Tim Riley, uh, what headlines are we following that we will explore? further when we return. Well, let's see here. We have uh, more on this spontaneous gathering, and uh, we have more side stories than that, some of the other things that went on. We'll talk about, uh, oh, Barbara Walters. We must hear from her, her warning to parents not to take the kids to see Bruno. And Joe Jackson said he never beat Michael. Uh, and by the way, we have at some point before the top of the hour a pair of tickets to see Blink-182 uh, that we're going to be giving away. And, of course, that show is coming up uh, September 9th, 2009 at Memorial Coliseum. September 9th, 2009, Memorial Coliseum, Blink-182. Uh, you can get tickets at Comcast Ticks. That's with two Ts. ComcastTicks.com or the Rose Quarter box office. But at some point before 9 o'clock, when you hear the sound... Of the hockey mom. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. When you hear that sound again, you'd be caller 10. Not now. But when you hear that sound again, you'd be caller 10 at 503-228-4101, and you'll score those Blink-182 tickets. All right. Uh, plus, we have, uh, to wrap everything up here in a bit, we have uh, some actual sound from Chappelle talking to the crowd last night and telling him uh, how things are not going to uh, work out as, as was planned. You stay there. We're live from downtown Portland, Oregon. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Crime is down in Portland, but murders are up. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and Oregonian music editor Ryan White will join us uh, to talk about the definitive American rock band. Uh, at the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. 842. Good morning. It's going to be sunny today. Highest to 88 degrees. They're bankrupt. Coin is filing for Chapter 11. The owner of Coin. New Vision Television owns 14 network-affiliated television stations, and they're $400 million in debt. It's kind of ironic that coin has no money. That is. Not a coin to throw. But they'll stay on the air for now. Who knows how long that'll be. He says menacingly. That was a sort of, you had sort of a certain sinister silkiness to your delivery there. They're on the air for today, anyway.
Some of the internet rumor turns out to be true. I don't think this has happened anywhere else. Oh, my anywhere. God. He's not really an American citizen? No. Are you thinking about Barack Obama? <laughs> Wait a minute. He's really going to give me a dollar fifty for every person I forward this email to? Yes. Oh, my God. They're really owned by Satanists? Yes. What are you talking about? Oh, I don't know. Uh, this uh, Dave Chappelle thing oh, shows up that. at oh, 12.53 yeah. this morning. He, okay. He's uh, using an amplifier the size of a toaster, puts on the show for thousands. And the thing is, most people can't hear him. Yet they hang around. They converge. About 4,000. Uh, at uh, one point, he grabs an OPB reporter's microphone and shouts, Support Oregon Public Broadcasting. Chappelle left the square at 2.09. And we understand by someone who uh, works in the vicinity that he was escorted to the Heathman Hotel, where he chatted with fans on the sidewalk for quite some time. It's unclear why he was in town. His website makes nothing of his Portland appearance. Uh, and I've got actually a little bit of audio here. Uh, from that. Let me see. This is, uh, I got two small things. One is him, this is uh, Chappelle last night, Pioneer Court Square. Mm-hmm. This is him thanking the cops for not arresting him. So there's that. And my friends who were there last night said that the cops were super cool. Uh, you know, they were just mellow and like kept everybody in line and it was time to go. They was like, all right, time to go and just Really nice about it. Well, I think that they, uh, Sneathan said that uh, too when he called and he said the security and the cops are really, really cool, which, so we got to, you know, give it up for that, especially because at this point, after the last few years uh, in in the city and what with some of the national and international goings on, you could hardly blame the, the cops at this point if they just, if they just feared the worst as soon as there's a thousand people appearing downtown, you know, in the middle of the night. Uh, so the fact that, that everybody got along and that everything went very smoothly is, Well, it's nice that they just dealt with it, too. Like, yeah. okay, there are thousands of drunk people down here. We're just going to have mm-hmm. let it happen. And so I think the crowd has to be commended for being peaceful, and the cops are to be commended for, you know, for for going down there and just saying, okay, you know what, we're, just, we're not going to go in and we're not going to wade in and just crack everybody over the head, which is what uh, certain uh, folks might have done the minute they saw Starbucks being being danced upon by a bunch of... Uh, people with boils and warts all over their private parts. <laughs> That thanks, is, thanks for the free show. That's one free show nobody asked for. <laughs> Would you like to look at my pus? Uh, so let me play this one other cut from uh, Chappelle. So this is Dave Chappelle last night sort of explaining uh, the, why there's really not going to be anything happening, apart from the boil waving. Uh, this is, uh, let's see, here we go. So there you go. And then that is apparently the point when he wandered off to try to find a, a bigger microphone, which, of course, it, it did not happen. So there you go. That is the uh, that is the resolution of that, uh, as they say. All right. Fine fellow. Anyway, uh, yeah, the only thing that ruined it were those people uh, dancing nude on uh, top of a uh, Starbucks. 
And speaking of things that you don't want to see, Barbara Walters says you and the kids don't want to go see Bruno. If you are a parent, do not bring your child to this movie. There are close-ups of, of penises and oh. pubic hair yes. as close as this with it wagging like this. <laughs> all right, now this is going to make you all want to go to see this movie, and that's why I'm sorry to go through this. I don't need to know how you are doing anal intercourse. Oh, wow. You all want to go serious? see this movie now, right? Wow. I also mind the fact wow. that, again, like Borat, <laughs> It takes unsuspecting people, the little people, and makes fun of them. The little people. Foot, foot penis on a screen is not my idea of a good time. Okay. That's but that's my surprise that I'm Hey, Lauren yes. Bacall. But not on the screen. Go away. Oh, Joe Jackson said he never beat Michael. Michael was never beat, as they call him. Catherine. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Michael sir. Do we have the appropriate follow-up? And she was at home with him the most. All he up. was too busy with two jobs. I'm sorry. He. What did you say? What was Tim Jackson's? Uh, Tim Jackson. What was? What was? <laughs> what was Joe Jackson's uh, claim? Tim. He never beat Michael. Michael was never beat, as they call him. Catherine uh, spanked Michael more than I did, but I was working two jobs, and she was at home with him the most. There you go. Oh, by the way, just and I don't want to hear Walt, uh, Barbara Walters talking about it. And there's a close-up hear... of a penis. And Whoopi Goldberg, that's just gross. <sighs> Hearing her talk about that, I don't want to see a twelve-foot penis. <laughs> it's like who would show something that, like that to Whoopi anyway? <laughs> I know who Whoopi, I'm. No one wants to show you. I got this penis, penis, and I know just the person I'm going to show it to. Saving it for you, Whoopi. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg needs my member. Um, uh, performing on Starbucks roof, Whoopi. Come down and see me. Should <laughs> come look at my uh, my many lesions, uh, Whoopi, and then we'll then we'll while the night away in a fountain. Um, all right, I promise to read this best headline ever to wrap everything yes. up here. I'm opening the story now. After everything that's happened today, this is, maybe this isn't the best thing ever, but it's still pretty fantastic. This is from Sky.com. I'm not making this up. The headline simply reads. Monkey moves robot using mind control. <laughs> I swear to God, monkey moves robot. And this is not like a fake news source. But the modern world we live in. Monkey moves robot using mind control. A monkey fitted with a high-tech brain chip has learned to move a complex robotic arm using only mind control. Why does this not terrify everybody? The <laughs> you animal, have a strange um, like fascination with monkeys. They're operating robots with the power of their thoughts. That can only end poorly. The animal can operate the robot that it has the enough. That's not the robot. The animal can the operate the robot, sorry, with such dexterity that the robot can reach out to grab and turn a handle. The mechanical arm has an elbow, arm, wrist, and simple hand, which the monkey controls with the power of thought. Uh, Sky News was given exclusive access to the laboratory at the Pittsburgh University in the United States. Um. Let's see. And then they, uh, uh, let's see, uh, they forward, it says, um, the system is so quick if the arm overshoots the monkey's intended target, it can rapidly correct the movements. So if the monkey lunges for your throat and misses, the computer will handily correct. Uh, it says here, um, we use, uh, let's see, it's amazing because monkeys aren't used to, mo- uh, to using moving tools. We use them all the time. As days go by... You see the monkeys start using the robot arm as though it were part of their own body. And monkey then, doesn't need a tool. Monkey needs his teeth. And then... As we've seen in the past. I'm what? sorry to interrupt the story. I, Wait. What, what do you mean? Is that... Are you quoting... Is that like a poem of some kind? No. It, it sounded like a monkey haiku. No, it's, it's a monkey, true monkey fact. Monkey not need robot arm. Monkey need teeth. 
Yes. That's the way the, the monkey paya. does his job. Oh, no, never mind. Continue. Well, I'm just going to say that someday when we wonder why the great uh, monkey uprising has happened, mm-hmm. it'll be because of this Monkeys sentence. Monkeys with robot arms running around everywhere. Which apparently are being created in Pittsburgh. So uh, this will be the sentence that gives it all away. This is why they will rise against us. The monkey cannot feel the electrodes in its brain and did not appear to be distressed by the wires leading from a socket on its head. Thank you. They don't appear to be distressed now because they're waiting. They're waiting for the right moment. Well, on that note, uh, my friends, uh, I will simply uh, make one final observation, which is that uh, you can go to KUFO.com right now, and you can take part in the half-off sale, which, of course, where everything is, yes, half-off, including uh, passes to the Bymart Salute to the Troops 125 NASCAR race, which happens this Saturday and Sunday, July 18th and 19th, at Portland International Raceway. Uh, you go to KUFO.com, and you can get those tickets for half-off. Uh, there's no uh, no strings, no whatever. It's just, it's, it's, it is honestly just that simple. You go there, and they're half-off. A pair of passes to the Bymart Salute to the Troops 125 NASCAR race happening the 18th 19th at PIR uh, and all the complete uh, uh, you know regu- rules regulations details and facts are KUFO.com as well right now if you are caller 10 though we will go ahead and give you a pair of those a pair of two-day passes to the Bymart salute to the troops uh, NASCAR race uh, to caller 10 at 503-228-4101 and you can also buy them at KUFO.com all right join us tomorrow and we'll talk to Ryan White who's the music editor for the Oregonian we'll also talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com we want to thank CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum Lisa Desjardins Jim Roop as well as our good friends uh Heather, Chris, and Marcus, uh, who worked uh, at an undisclosed hotel in downtown Portland. And thank you all to Dave Chappelle. Uh, we thank Dave Chappelle as well for making our day just a little thank bit more interesting. Thank you for the show, Brett. Thank you, sir. Uh, Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Tarek Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley. In the phones, Greg Nibbler. Uh, the front desk, uh, Dave Zinn is the gatekeeper, webmistress, uh, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan Donat with me, Reynolds, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Thank you for listening. Be safe. It is Wednesday, July 15, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.